Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com as we launch here into yet another program where you can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. So uh, we're going to tell you about a, a, a story out of Thaunenda um, here in a little bit involving uh, the, the next step of the smoking ban universe. The first the story out of uh, D.C. is that the Transportation Security Administration, you know, the group of bureaucrats that's working tirelessly, tirelessly to keep you safe, trying to keep the skies friendly, trying to keep the terrorists from climbing all aboard all those airplanes and blowing crap up. You know, the TSA, those people that stop you from uh, bringing water bottles into the airport and stop you from bringing... Things that are over three ounces on your carry-on bag. But you could bring uh, water in your carry-on bag if it is in packages of um, three-ounce bottles and they're in, uh, you know, like one quart. Those three-ounce bottles fit in a a one-quart bag. So they really haven't stopped water from coming on. They've just stopped it from coming on and... Big, in the regular 12-ounce bottles or whatever. These uh, heroic people who are working day in and day out to keep the skies of America safe. Well, actually, they're not really doing very much. They uh, What they are doing is making it inconvenient to fly. They're making it uh, difficult for people to get from point A to point B. They're trying to make it seem as though they're providing some level of security, but it's really all just an illusion because we know that anybody that's actually serious about blowing up a plane or hijacking a plane or doing some sort of uh, damage to other people on a plane, they won't be necessarily stopped by the TSA, uh, especially if there are multiple uh, people that are going about the uh, the same project, if you well, brute force them with numbers. Yeah, let's, let's not forget that the TSA, um, you know, generously, they, they, they test themselves, and, and I'd say generously the news stories i see say 70 80 percent um you know these are specific stories like in colorado in tampa but generously they miss about 50 percent of uh guns knives and bombs let's say they've gotten better in the last year or two which doesn't seem likely to me but even if they got 33 percent of uh, you know if they if they only missed 33 percent of guns knives and bombs all you have to do is send three terrorists through one's going to get through Exactly. So we've we've been following the TSA over the years, and the. I'd also before before you go on, I'd also like to point out that the problem on 9/11 wasn't planes blowing up; it was planes flying into buildings, and those planes were hijacked with carpentry knives or whatever these uh, utility blades. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen again. Americans aren't going to allow somebody to hijack a plane with a utility blade. Well, uh, it certainly. <laughs> What happened recently with the TSA, uh, it's just amazing. The, the, we've been following them for uh, for years on this program, just kind of talking about the asinine new policies they're introducing, uh, how it is that not only are their policies in many ways asinine, but also very Orwellian and frightening at the same time, uh, where they're now they're eyeballing people with special uh, agents trying to see if they're if they look. Like they might be a terrorist, or they look like they might. They're looking have. for nervous people. Yeah, there's crazy. They're also looking now for people that are uh, perhaps going to show symptoms of having the flu. Uh, some people have proposed that they might actually 
stop you if you look like you have the flu and stop you from getting on a plane or force you to take a flu shot. That I don't think has quite developed yet. But in this case, in a massive security breach, the story over at ABC News, the Transportation Security Administration inadvertently posted online its airport screening procedures manual. (laughs) (laughs) including some of the most closely guarded secrets regarding special rules for diplomats and CIA and law enforcement officers. The most sensitive parts of the 93-page Standard Operating Procedures Manual were apparently redacted in a way that computer-savvy individuals easily overcame. The document shows sample CIA congressional and law enforcement credentials, which experts say would make it easy for terrorists to duplicate. The improperly redacted areas indicate that only 20% of checked bags are to be hand-searched for explosives and reveal in detail the limitations of X-ray screening machines. So there it is. Their policies are now online, and once they're online, people... (laughs) And then ABC links to the manual. (laughs) (laughs) Once they're online, they never go away, because now they've... And and how long is it going to... Because the the hackers have now made copies, and they're everywhere. Yeah. Now, um, how long until uh, they... It's going to take the government to change their policy. God, who knows? Months and months and months. We might as well shut the TSA down for the next year, let them go about uh, filling out their, you know, their new book, and then, uh, you know, let them come back to work after they've they've started. I'd be interested to see exactly how many terrorist attacks occur in that year, by the way. They go on to interview some bureaucrats about how shocking and appalling and astounding, shocking, appalling, astounding are three of the... uh, They really are using these terms. uh, Would those be adjectives? Yeah. yeah, Those are adjectives. Anyway, the three of the adjectives used to uh, describe this. The manual provides a roadmap to those who would do us harm, said Senator Susan Collins. The detailed information... Because Susan Collins believes the TSA is actually doing something to keep us from being harmed. I just talked to a cop, um, you know, a... uh, a veteran police officer that said that he felt that the people, you know, just it was just this weekend. And this isn't anybody from the Liberty community or anything like that. Just some veteran cop who says, man, those those guys, they're incompetence. They aren't. Do, that's, you know, I use the term security, security theater. And he agreed. You know, he just mm-hmm. thought that it was the silliest thing ever what they're doing and that they're not doing anything. And oh, but they've got badges. Pointless. Mark. They've got badges. He laughed uniforms. at that, too. The TSA spokesbureaucrat says the document posted online is an it's an outdated version improperly posted by the agency to the Federal Business Opportunities website, wherein redacted material was not properly protected. TSA requested the document be taken offline, but by then it had spread around the Internet and is still available today. The document contains a list of items for which screening is not required, including wheelchairs, footwear of disabled individuals, casts, and orthopedic shoes. How do you get to be a disabled uh, individual? Because I'd prefer to, to not have my sh- have to take my shoes off. That's a good question. I don't know. I know with the dog, you can just put a a uh, you can just put a little uniform on, on it or a vest. Uh, the redacted portions also indicate which law enforcement personnel are specially screened or exempt from some screening procedures, and indicate what requirements they must meet to be eligible for special screening. TSA screeners are also told to require extra screening for any passenger whose passport was issued by Cuba, Iran, North Korea, uh, Syria, Libya, Sudan, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Somalia, Iraq, Yemen, or Algeria. Hey, I thought they weren't uh, profiling. I thought they were, weren't profiling. I thought they were just kind of maybe, randomly. Maybe they're saying that they're not profiling, right. and then they are, in fact, profiling. The document also reveals that during peak travel times, TSA screeners who check identification can reduce from 100% to 25% the times they use black lights to authenticate documents. Screening is like a big puzzle, and this SOP gives you directions on putting the puzzle together, says a former federal air marshal who was fired for revealing holes in the TSA security after the 9-11 attacks. 
he added that the TSA's assertion the documents posted are old holds no merit. He says how much in how much in screening procedure changes in 17 months? It's a one-dimensional process. TSA says it's taking the release of the sensitive information seriously and is conducting a full review. <laughs> the agency said in a statement, the TSA has many layers of security to keep the traveling public safe. And to Including taking their water bottles away. And to constantly adapt to Any evolving. cologne that might be more than 3.2 ounces. To why, why do they pick that number, that arbitrary, arbitrary number? Arbitrary? I don't know. Constantly adapt to evolving threats. So the TSA is confident that screening procedures currently in place remain strong. The document also provides a glimpse into the special treatment available for governors, lieutenant governors, and the mayor of Washington, D.C., as well as their spouses, family, and staff. Mayor of Washington, D.C. I guess he's a governor, something. Yeah. The, the, the equivalent. So they, uh, they treat the politicians special. Oh, absolutely they, they do. Them. You know, the, the idea that they're, they're screening for water bottles and, and all that other stuff, because it might have chemicals that you can create to, to put, you know, hydrogen, cyanide or whatever, you know, whip that up in the six hours with the Bunsen burners and all that other stuff that it would take to do with just raw chemicals. You know, why wouldn't you be able to put those things in uh, three-ounce bottles in your uh, one-quart bag and carry them on? All they're requiring the, the terrorists to do is to be a little more thorough. Also, and if you think that the terrorists didn't already have this information, I think you're probably fooling yourself. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it to get a job with the TSA? Have you seen some of their screeners? 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Government's keeping you safe, though, right? It's Free Talk Live. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry uttered those words in 1775. He died just 24 years later. You can avoid his fate by subscribing to Liberty, the National Journal of Libertarian Opinion, News, Investigation, and Intellectual Exploration. Liberty isn't just current events. In every issue, you can expect to see reflections, reviews, and reporting that challenge the individual mind. Get Liberty now with a free trial issue at libertyunbound.com and avoid an untimely meeting with the Grim Reaper. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Again, 1-800-259-9231, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Those other talk show hosts insist on charging you for their websites because they're so special. Well, actually, it's my understanding that Free Talk Live has more stuff on our website for free than most of the other talk show hosts have behind their paid barrier. So go and enjoy. It's all free at freetalklive.com. And, and would you like to get a uh, non-lethal weapon into the hands of your loved one this uh, this week, this is holiday season, excuse me, with the stopping power that rivals that of a handgun? It's the Tiger Light. It's an incredibly bright flashlight with an integrated pepper spray. Its high-level utility comes from the fact that it is out and in your hand because it's a flashlight. And unlike other weapons, uh, you know, because you you can't walk around carrying a gun, there's no expectation by the perp that you have a weapon. And the Tiger Light, you can get one today at tiger.freetalklive.com. It's it's a special Christmas rate over there at tiger.freetalklive.com. I've got one. It's great. Tiger.freetalklive.com. When you you say you can't walk around carrying a gun, you mean toting a uh, a gun in your hands. Wouldn't you look silly walking around with a Glock in your hand? I mean, I suppose that that would be considered brandishing, and you would actually be committing a a crime. Right. It's it's a crime to to carry a gun in your hand while walking around, but it is not a crime to carry your the tiger tiger light. light. It's just a it's just a flashlight, you know. 
Right on. All right, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Then we'll uh, give you an update on what's happening with smoking ban down in Australia land. Uh, first, we go to Winnipeg and talk to Scott. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, guys. Scott, hey, Scott. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I, was, I was hoping Wayne was going to be there tonight, uh, but it doesn't sound like he is. It's my understanding um, that uh, Wayne will not be here tonight. However, Wayne will be in uh, for the remainder of the month every Wednesday night. Okay, great. Good, good, good. Well, then I, I'll probably call back next Wednesday as well. Um, because last week he, he read a few things and talked about a few things that were really, really bad information regarding vaccines from that website that he seems to love to go to, naturalnews.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I won't like get into the list or anything, but but come on, <laughs> uh, that that I looked at that website and it's just full of crap. It's just full of crap, and you're letting him put this stuff on the air on your show, spreading information that is wrong and and terrible terribly misleading well free talk live isn't a venue that we we don't have a massive team of people to check things out we don't have all these producers as you know you have your listeners and i'm here to help you out thank you here you are (laughs) but you see the the problem is scott that i can't argue uh against or for things like vaccines because one truly has to be an expert in this area in order to be able to talk about them if you and that's my point that is my point, is that I'm no expert. I'm just a schmo that reads stuff. And, and, but that's why we need to listen to people that actually do the research and people that actually know what they're talking about. Not, not me. I mean, anyone can make any website and go to anything, right? Sure. Uh, sure. So can Wayne. People like... Sorry, go ahead. So can Wayne, right? Like, are you, you are you are a schmo. Wayne is a schmo. Scott, are you referring to the yeah. ten questions segment that Wayne yeah. did, where he uh, read ten questions that vaccine advocates uh, would not want to be asked? Yes, and that's a total red herring, anyways, because the, as far as like the, the the questions they don't want you to ask, that's just that's hyperbole. It's not true. No scientist says vaccines are one hundred percent safe. They all work. They don't say that. But this is the thing that these people that are anti-vaccine will say, oh, they don't want you to know the truth, and, and that's just not true. The numbers are published. We know how many well, people have that. Well, now, wait a minute. I, I, I mean, obviously, Wayne's not here to, uh, to defend himself in this case. I However, uh, it seemed to me that he was just asking questions. I don't know if he was making uh, claims necessarily, but I think that Wayne would probably agree that there are people that that are vaccinated and that they're fine. It's just the question is, what about the people that aren't fine, like Mark, who has taken a flu vaccine and he twice and he got very, very sick immediately thereafter. Um, So, yeah, I think I don't think anybody thinks that vaccines are necessarily dangerous to everyone. But it's those people that are, uh, you know, susceptible that I think should be very, very concerned. And you don't know you're susceptible until you take one of these things. And then you might find out that it was a really bad idea. And that's a fair point. And and Mark does say that. I I don't doubt him. I don't disbelieve him. Uh, But the thing is, humans are terrible with, with assessing risk and odds. Just because maybe I know eight people that got the flu shot and they all got sick. That's only a sample group of eight people. That's why you have to look at large numbers to understand how many people actually get sick. If I'm dealt a hand of cards, five cards, the chances that I would get those actual five cards are very low, but yet I still get them. So it goes back to to odds and understanding odds and risk and all these things. 
So, I mean, people's personal Right, and I'd like to look at the risk for a moment here. I'd like to just take a moment and look at the risk because, for me, as somebody who doesn't really have a horse in this race, I'm kind of on the outside looking in here. I mean, I I had probably a handful of vaccines as a very young child, and And that's all I recall. I'd like to point out that I vaccinate my cat. I haven't vaccinated my child. And for me, it's an issue of... Fear. It's not really an issue of anything else. I'm not. I. I. I the, the doctors take a, an oath to do no harm, and then they. Um. Then they administer a vaccine that they know to be harmful to some people. And I, to me, I find that a violation of the Hippocratic oath. The, the I vac- understand Mark, that the chances you, are very low, but whatever. Mark did, Mark, did you drive to Ian's house today? I did. Do you know what the risk is that you're going to die in a car accident? It's pretty high, especially yeah, yeah, it's, on snowy it's, roads. It's, it's a lot higher than you're going to, you know, get harmed by a vaccine. I'm not talking I believe you, uh, Scott. I believe you there, okay? Certainly, automotive accidents are well, very, very dangerous. But harm is, is difficult to quantify. Well, okay, that's fine. But the uh, yeah. certainly, automotive accidents are very dangerous. But in order for Mark to do this show, he has to drive here. So that's yeah, something the, that, you know, if he had a little gyrocopter or something like that, I'm sure he'd fly back <laughs> here. But uh, it, as far as the most practical way for him to get here right now today in this world we live in, he has to drive. So that's one of those risks that he yeah. has to take. The vaccine the is, is we, a risk we, that you don't necessarily hold on. The vaccine that's is in, the vaccine is a risk you don't have to take because in the case of let's just talk about the flu vaccine, the one they're trying to shove down everybody's throats every single year, a different vaccine. In the case of the flu vaccine, let's also look at the risk that I'll number one get the flu in the first place, fairly low. Number two, die as a result of getting the flu uh, if I let's got look it. At the- Sure, let's do that. Let's look at the real numbers. 30 to 50,000 people in the U.S. die from the flu every year. What's the number of people that will die from a vaccine shot every year in the U.S.? But, I, there's no way to tell because no doctor yes, will listen. Is. It's we an additional risk. Mark. Right. Listen, listen, Scott. Wait, wait. Just one second. Okay. When I went yeah, to a but... medical professional um, and I reported my illness due to the vaccine, they said, you're wrong. And th- there was no test. There was no nothing. I was told to go the F away. And that was what that was what I got. The, ne- the next time when I took their because I believed them. The next time I took their shot, and uh, then I didn't bother going to report it after that. And uh, you see, th- this is the problem here, is you, you, there isn't any good data because the, the people in the medical establishment don't care to, to find it out. And what you're trying That's to advocate... Huge generalization. Huge generalization. It was but my life, dude. We're, we're talking about dead people, dead bodies. It's hard to Oh, now that. it's got to be dead people. Well, the people... Yeah, the, no, 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 wait. The, the people that... Death? Right, death is a big issue, certainly, Scott. But yeah. the people that um, that say that vaccines are harmful claim that they, in fact, compromise immune systems. How are you going to find um, find out if a person who took a vaccine has a has a weaker immune system than somebody who didn't? How would you know that? I'll bring it back. You can answer that question in a moment. Hang on, Scott. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Scott's advocating I take an additional risk by getting a flu shot. It's free talk live. It's time. Wake up. This is just in case you care. And yeah, I'm talking to you. That's my booklet of truth for the people of America and the wake up call for action to save our freedom. Get a copy for you and your friends at yamtalkingtoyou.com and get involved with saving our country. That's yamtalkingtoyou.com. If you want to be part of the solution, otherwise, just go back to sleep. You'll adjust to enslavement. This is Free 
Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Features including stuff like our bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues, fun stuff, you'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live has teamed up with Midas Resources. Um, it is our syndicate. They, uh, they, they run Genesis Communications Network, but they also sell gold and silver. And lots of people buying gold and silver these days. It's a very popular commodity changing hands because the dollar is decreasing in value. And it's a good, good way to invest your money to, as a hedge against inflation. I have uh, picked out some coins over there that I think uh, are good choices for sort of simple ones for the people who don't do the uh, the, the collecting. These aren't coin collect you know collectors coins or anything like that. This is just you know be, being bought for the value of the gold and silver. Go to gold.freetalklive.com. That's gold.freetalklive.com. As we continue, uh, bring Scott back here. He's in Winnipeg. Scott, you're back on Free Talk Live. You're calling. Again, uh, as the vaccine advocates have been calling week after week to attempt to persuade us into accepting the idea that vaccines are necessarily a fairly safe thing to do and a good idea. It may be true. I don't know. And I, for one, maybe it is true for most people, but it seems to me, and we've actually got somebody that wants to talk to you here in a moment. Uh, but sure. it seems to me that you're advocating that I take an unnecessary risk, one that has questionable uh, potential, questionable benefits. Because, as I pointed out before, the question is, well, as a healthy individual, how likely is it I'm going to contract the flu? How likely is it that I will somehow suffer death as a result of contracting the flu? Very unlikely. One in 10,000. One in 10,000. Sounds low. One in 10,000 said... Americans die from the flu, healthy people and sick people. Oh, you mean one in 10,000 who contract the flu die from... No, one in 10,000 people die That doesn't US. make sense. I've never heard of anybody dying from the flu. Are you talking about somebody who's like already very ill or something like that? No, we're talking about dying from the flu. Thirty to 50,000 people in the U.S. die every well, every year in the U.S. 30, what, what is it? 30 to 50,000 people die in the U.S. And so there are 300 million people in the United States. Yeah. 30,000 out of 300 million is point zero 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 one. Yes. That's not one in. Uh, that's not one in ten thousand. I don't. Is that one in ten thousand? Zero. Yeah, it's one in ten thousand. All right, okay. man. But um, this... and, chat, and hold on, let me just. And say how this. many of those people? One in one hundred thousand people have an adverse reaction to the vaccine. So your chances of dying are ten times higher than getting sick from the vaccine. I have so never... Those are real numbers, I, believe I, them or not. I, 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 I can choose to believe whatever I want, and you're, you're right about that. And here's... You had addressed... We had addressed an issue as far as uh, the medical professionals and reporting... Sure. Uh, you know, flu flu issues. I almost yeah. died from the yeah. flu vaccine, and it would have been reported as a flu death and not as a flu vaccine death because, well, the people who gave it to me would have been liable for the uh, administering this this thing. The the doctor, the hospital, all these people would have had a certain level of liability. So they're not sure. going to find that they the oh well, it looks like we get, and and I don't even know how Wait. they would go about testing this. I thought they weren't liable for it. Well, the flu, the vaccine company isn't. Oh, okay. The doctors. I don't know. I don't know are. whether they are or not. But do you want to deal with a lawsuit? 
Look, uh, you're, you're talking about people dying from the flu, and I, it seems to me that the people that are going to die from the flu are people with poor immune systems. Uh, it's no, my understanding that true. it's the healthy elderly. People, healthy people die of the flu, Ian. They just do. How many, of the, three, do. How many of the 30 to 50,000 people are healthy versus elderly or infants or something like that? Is it okay for infants to die from the flu? Why does it matter how old they are? Do you give infants uh, flu vaccines? I thought you had to be two years old sure. to get a flu vaccine. No, no. My son is nine months old. He's got, uh, he got his flu vaccine. At six months? Is that, that right? You have to be six nine. months or older, I believe it is. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I thought a, a infant, I guess, uh, is about, some, you know. Uh, it, it, they're different for different yeah. vaccines. I guess so. the issue is I'm just not scared, Scott, and I'm not scared enough to go pump myself full of a bunch of chemicals that I don't know what they're going to do. And the flu vaccines are, are a poor choice because they, are, they, they have to guess, and they rarely guess right. They said this You're uh, right, swine, Mark. You're right on that. The, the swine flu is going to be this world pandemic. Oh, my God. The cows are falling. Pigs are falling from the sky. We're all going to die. And then it turns out it's a mild, <laughs> it's a mild flu vaccine. I just, I, you know, I... Flu season. Flu, flu season. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, coloring... I don't buy into the fear. I don't. I just have a problem when I hear misinformation being put out on my favorite radio show and my favorite podcast. I, and that bothers me. And that's I gotcha. why I'm calling in because I hear this stuff. That's is, it misinformation that's that right. there, is it misinformation that the, uh, the companies that make these things have no liability? Because that's one of the things no, we claim. No, that's not. Okay, so you're, you're not saying not that all of his either. information was misinformation. You're just saying that That's you, not science, though. Now, that let me, sure, but the, the problem is that science is so deeply in bed with the government, and you can't get around that, that Scott. And now, I, now, I agree with you on that. Which I brings me to another issue here. Do you okay. believe that, that humans have, are causing global climate change? <laughs> you want to get into that? Yeah, I, I got a couple of minutes to, to cook you over the open fire. Well, okay, I don't sure. know. Uh, I believe there's probably some evidence for and against. I think climate is really over-exaggerated. Tell you but, what, I'm going to bring Matt on the line here. Matt, uh, sure. on in Illinois, on the amp line with Scott in Winnipeg. Matt, go ahead. Okay. Hi, Matt. Hi, Scott. Hi. Scott, first off, I want to explain something about what, where Wayne got those 10 questions, because I happen to get them, too. I saw the website. I looked at it. I'm sorry? I I looked at the website. I saw the National News website. I looked at it a lot. Right, right. That's a guy. He's a naturopath. He's educated, too. Yeah, that website's full of books and anti-HIV stuff. You guys are educated, okay? The people that you're trusting are educated. The people I'm trusting use science. Use science. Hello? I looked at that okay. website. On there, they advocate homeopathy and are AIDS, HIV deniers. I'm sorry, that's bunk. I'm what sorry, are they I'll denying about now. it? I'll calm down. I disagree. Okay, go ahead. I agree with the naturopathic way. I think that okay. nature has found a whole bunch of cures for us because nature and man has kind of evolved together. Nature and kills people. And modern medicine has kind of forgotten that. And nature kills people. How to so extrapolate from nature to make these cures? That's how I feel about it. Since that is not started, that. Since I've started taking care of myself in a natural way, I have become much better than what I was under doctor's care. Now that's my personal experience. I am not trusting anybody in what they say. That's my personal experience. Hello? He's, uh, we're here. He's listening to you. Yeah, okay. I'm listening. Um, what, what, um, what you sound like to me 
in a lot of ways. And it's because you keep pounding this issue. It's kind of like having a Jehovah's Witness knocking at your door every day. Wanting to I don't think it's fair to say I'm hounding. I'm calling because Free Talk Live are still bringing it up, so I call in reaction to it. I don't think it's fair to well, say I'm hounding anything. I'm calling because you brought it up to, to Free Talk Live, which I haven't done. Yeah, I brought it up tonight to. because I was calling to talk about to Wayne about last week, so I'm sorry it's not there. Okay. Well, anyway, the point is... And Matt, Matt can I say, I don't, I don't doubt your personal experience. How could I? It's not my personal experience. But the thing is, one person's personal experience is not enough data. There's people in the world that think they've been abducted by aliens, that think uh, that they've seen Bigfoot, no testimony. But uh, uh, one person's personal experience isn't a large enough data to come up with what is reality. Scott, thank you for the call. But I appreciate however, hearing from you. Go ahead, Matt. Okay, guys. However, be that as it may, if somebody believes that they've been abducted by aliens, that's fine with me. I have no reason to disbelieve them. Yeah. This, this show is about freedom. Or, well, this, I shouldn't say that. What, what I'm concerned with is freedom. And when it comes to the, to the vaccine, vaccinations, what bothers me about them more than anything is that there are laws that say that these children have to take the vaccinations. And that's wrong. If you don't want your children to be taking the vaccinations, it should be your decision. Absolutely right. I agree with that completely. I thank you for the call. I uh, appreciate the, the uh, thoughts tonight from both sides there. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's not the last vaccine call we have. You can bring up whatever you want. Take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Refrigerated Cookie Dough. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. Whether it's sweet potatoes on Thanksgiving or burgers on the 4th of July, kids associate certain foods with certain occasions. Family traditions are important to them, so when planning your holiday or birthday menu, keep in mind what they like most and invite the kids to cook up a new food tradition. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Start your shopping there. You get to buy whatever you need to buy. It's Amazon, the world's largest Internet retailer, selling all kinds of products in dozens of categories, even used items. So if you need to save a few extra bucks, you can do that. Or save money on shipping, buy brand new, and get free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their items at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter through that link. Free Talk Live gets a cut. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We go to your phone calls. Mark's in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Ian, how you doing? I what? wish that guy Scott was still on the phone. Sorry about that. What, what's on your mind tonight? I wish I would like to thank him for trying to save my life, but I don't need him to. But <laughs> uh, and why is he afraid of dying? Like you said before, you're not scared. Me neither. I have heart disease, and they said I'm going to need a transplant someday. The last ten years, I've been in and out of the hospital, mm-hmm. and every time they tell me, it gets funnier. Okay, I tell them good because I'm tired of this movie anyway. <laughs> but scared, like the duct tape. You remember years ago, the duct tape. Everybody went out and got duct tape. Yeah, they put it on their that, houses. Duct tape Who and plastic. Who would want to live for... through a nuclear bomb? 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. There's I mean, no pandemic, like you said, where's all the dying people? What's the point? I mean, I completely agree with you. Uh, life is great and everything, but yeah. if it's going to be a nuclear wasteland, I don't know <laughs> if I want to be around. Sorry. No. So be it. You know, I'm not scared, buddy. Like I said, I, I, the thought of dying it brings a smile to my damn face. <laughs> yeah, right? You I'm can... only kidding. But like, yeah, Scott, no, don't save my life, man. You don't have to appreciate it, though. That's a great viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen. Th- thank Thanks you very much. Call, dude. You know, I think that this brings up the, for me, I, I get where Mark's call, coming from. When somebody says, oh, the, the human-caused global climate change is real. Well, what that says to me is, and the only solution is the government telling you how to live. When somebody says, vaccines work and you should take them, the only thing I hear is, and the best way to get uh, herd immunity is to force people to take them in order to go to you know, the government school, which we extract their money from. Because everyone has to live for as right. long as possible, right? When, when I hear these avocations of these things, I understand the people behind them, especially on this show, will make all the caveats in the world. But once those, those, they trickle up to the people in power, they say, well, for God's sakes, vaccines are good things. I've got questions, and I don't want to be forced into vaccines. I've got questions about a human-caused global climate change, and I don't want to be forced into some socialist world government that's going to uh, enforce uh, their, their you know, carbon taxes and all that other stuff. These things are inexorably linked. That's all. That's what I yeah. see. Yeah, that's why I've never really understood. I mean, his point of, I love his point also about the, the, the bomb shelter thing. <laughs> I don't want to live in that world. You know, and then there, there's people in the, the liberty movement that are, they believe that it's all going to come crashing down and that uh, we're going to need to go back to a world where you have to hunt for food and that uh, you're going to be killing your neighbors and eat, eating them, uh, cooking them over a spit. And it's going to be uh, kill or be killed, that kind of thing. This kind of dystopian, I guess that's not dystopian, but this... That's uh, dystopian. Is it dystopian? Anyway, it's this kind of uh, scary uh, possible future that is, is, is one in which I don't really... Th- really care to live in i don't want to go and run through the woods and kill little bunnies and you know just to shove their uh their bloody head into my mouth you know i don't want to i don't want to live that life i like the life that uh, that i have right now why is that life going to be worth living i mean what will i have that will be wonderful at that point will i have my girlfriend no not if she's been slaughtered and uh, and eaten by you know some mad uh, marauders that are well, roaming i do want to live to that i'm just i do want to live to see that world i'm just i don't want to see that world what are you talking about if that's Why do the you only choice that I, world? if that's the only choice i have that's the one i would prefer i, I prefer to live i just want to live so, so you would live in the nuclear uh, fallout world if i have that option i don't think i get that choice and i don't think there's anything that you can do to really change it so um i think i like uh, the last caller's uh, mark's su- suggestion that he'd rather die in that particular case the hell good is living if there's nothing worth living for that's how i feel about it 800-259-9231 what do you have then if you're the if you're the uh, you know the last human alive in some uh, wasteland, what do you have then? I, well, you've got your life, and that's it, right? What's it worth? It's worth whatever you decide it's worth. I guess that's right. That's what life's about. It's yeah. worth whatever you decide. All right, so let's go to Sean in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sean. Hey, Sean, you're on hey, the air. Hey guys, I'm, I'm calling in response to Scott. Um, for one thing that I've I've used the website that he mentioned. Their information is accurate. Their information comes from scientists. 
and these are scientists that I suppose a mainstreamer like him would call fringe scientists, but these are credentialed scientists from universities from different places around the world. That reminds me, Sean, I wanted to comment briefly on uh, the the issue of this website, some natural news website. Yeah. I don't doubt that there's some quackery on there. I don't. I mean, I haven't I haven't looked at it myself, but I, I, I'm taking uh, Scott's word for it that there's probably some crazy sounding crap on there. But I find the probably AMA, is crazy. But I find the AMA stuff crazy. When you talk about <laughs> prescription drugs that, killing more people than, than uh, yes. you know, illegal drugs, that's crazy. Yes. yes. Yeah, the, the 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 stuff that's presented from the mainstream medical establishment is as bizarre as you can possibly get, and it has zero credibility. It has credibility in the minds of mainstreamers because they bought into it, and 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 and, and these scumbags control the media. Now, I want to address the issue of AIDS that Scott brought up briefly. He brought up the issue of AIDS. Dr. Bauer, Dr. Colshaw from Canada, Professor Duisburg from the University of California, and uh, what's her name? I can't, I can't pronounce her name. It's hard to pronounce, but she's a, a Nobel-winning uh, uh, scientist from Australia. Those are among thousands of medical professionals worldwide who are saying that there is zero evidence for the existence of HIV and that what people are, and that the people who have AIDS are actually getting it from AIDS drugs. They're getting it from AIDS drugs. So you mean that uh, the people that believe they're they're told they have HIV are taking uh, AIDS drugs and you believe that or these people allegedly believe that the drugs are giving them some sort of debilitating condition? Let's let's look at AZT for example. AZT is a DNA chain terminator. It stops DNA replication, not as a side effect by design. That is exactly what that drug is designed to do. Isn't isn't your immune system made up of DNA? You try taking a substance like that long term and see what happens to you. The protease inhibitors that that a lot of people uh, classified as HIV are given. Those drugs will kill you by stopping organs from functioning. In fact, people on protease inhibitors die from kidneys shutting down, now, liver shutting down. What what, kill, what what was the gay plague from the 80s then? If it wasn't AIDS, what was killing um, gay, gay men in the 80s? Uh, you should look up John Lordson. John Lordson, in fact, I did an interview with him for, for my program series that I just started in August, and that was a fascinating interview. Um, John Lordson spent decades studying the statistics, and he found that, that, what was, that what they were dying from was the same thing that they've been dying from since long before the 80s, which is a toxic effect of popper. A lot of homosexual people throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s were taking pop, poppers to, 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 because poppers supposedly serve as an aphrodisiac. I don't know what is a popper. That, that is or not true. Um, poppers are, they're legal drugs, by the way. You don't have to go through the underground market to get them. They're, um, they're drugs that primarily homosexual males used to take. I don't know to what extent they're still using them, but they, but they, were, but they were commonly used them from the 60s up till the 90s 
as an aphrodisiac. Well, I reject I reject that. A friend of mine um, in the 80s uh, died. He was a homosexual man, died, and then the guy wouldn't take even um, uh, aspirin. Uh, I, I've seen him in more than one occasion with a terrible headache, and he wouldn't take aspirin because he didn't believe in drugs. So I, okay. I find it unlikely that he would have uh, taken anything like that. And he just died as a young man, and you know they diagnosed it as AIDS or HIV or whatever it was. So thanks, Sean, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. I think that the I think that what you can take away from this is that there's probably some truth on the side of the establishment, medical establishment, and there's probably some truth on the side of the naturopaths and the natural healing community. There's probably some bunk on both sides as well. And so to just wipe uh, one of them away and say, well, that's all bunk. Well, that's not very scientific. Yeah, wouldn't it be really great if you had a business, uh, you ran a business, and and uh, you could pretty much uh, just disavow the other the other competition because, well, they're just stupid. Well, they get to do that because the government's on the side of uh, the establishment, so they can actually outlaw the, the competition. That's what makes competing. me believe them. All right, hour two's coming up. You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. To start things out here this hour, I know I said we were going to get to the uh, the Australia story about the smoking ban. But actually, as I was poking around here in uh, some of the show prep sites, I spotted uh, at the Drudge Report. A very, very strange story. Now, this is not the Art Bell show. This is not uh, Coast to Coast. But when I saw this, I thought, wow, this, I think we should talk about this because it's very, very bizarre. And it's unexplained. And it just happened, uh, I think, yesterday. Story is from the Mail Online, though there are stories all over the Internet about this. What's blue and white squiggly and suddenly appears in the sky? If you know the answer, pop it on a postcard and send it to the people of Norway where this mysterious light display baffled residents yesterday. Curiously, it appears to be unconnected with the aurora borealis, the northern lights, the natural magnetic phenomena that can be often viewed in that part of the world. The mystery began when a blue light seemed to soar up from behind a mountain in the north of the country. It stopped midair, then began to move in circles. Within seconds, a giant spiral had covered the entire sky. Then a green-blue beam of light shot out from its center, 
lasting for 10 to 12 minutes before disappearing completely. Onlookers described it as like a big fireball that went around with a great light about it and a shooting star that spun around and around. The Norwegian uh, Meteorological Institute was flooded with telephone calls after the light storm. I'll bet. One of the uh, one of their uh, somebody recently or over there said it spun and exploded in the sky. He spotted the lights as he walked his daughter to school. He said we saw it from the inner harbor. It was absolutely fantastic. It almost looked like a rocket that spun around and around and then went diagonally down the heavens. It looked like the moon was coming over the mountain, but then became something completely different. Celebrity astronomer uh, Kurt, whoever the hell, said that he'd never seen anything like the lights. He said. My first thought was that it was a fireball meteor and that it had lasted, but it had lasted far too long. It may have been a missile from Russia, but I can't guarantee that that's the answer. Air traffic control in uh, nearby Trump. A missile from Russia that comes out of the sun and makes a big spiral and shoots a blue laser beam? No, it didn't come out of the sun. Uh, What happened was it, uh, it began when a blue light seemed to soar up from behind a mountain, stopped in midair then began to move in circles. Within seconds, it covered the entire sky, and then a green-blue beam of light shot out from its center. So it would be weird enough to just have something shoot up into the sky and spin around for a little while. That would have been weird enough. But to have it shoot a ray of uh, a squiggly ray, not just a ray, but a squiggly ray of blue-green light out from it downwards is even more bizarro. Bizarro does describe the story. And so, so again, uh, the, just continue here from the Daily Mail. The air traffic control in Tromso claimed the light show lasted far too long to be an astronomical phenomenon. Norwegian defense spokes bureaucrat said also that the lights were probably from a Russian missile test, claiming it was normal for Russia to use the White Sea and the Barents Sea as a testing ground. Tromso geophysical observatory researchers uh, agreed, saying the missile had likely veered out of control and exploded, and the spiral was light reflecting on the leaking fuel. But a mystery deepened, or the mystery deepened. That uh, spiral looks very, very symmetrical to me. It doesn't look like an explosion, you know? I I don't know. I'm I'm certainly not an expert on any of this stuff. Uh, But according to the story here, the mystery... It's a weather balloon. Certainly not a weather balloon. Uh, The mystery deepened last night as Russia denied it had been conducting missile tests in the area, which, of course, they're going to do, right? Uh, Moscow news outlet quoted the Russian Navy is denying any rocket launches from the White Sea area. Norway should be informed of such launches under international agreements. It was stressed. The Russian defense ministry was unavailable for comment. And there are plenty of photos of this out there for you to uh, peruse here. Because a lot of people saw this. This isn't like some kook that just put together a hoax. There are photos from different parts of, uh, of the area, of different people who saw this thing happen. I mean, this is broken. It's broken big. It's on the front page of the, uh, the Drudge Report. It's not at the top, but it's down there a bit. And if you were to go and uh, go to you know, go to go to start page Norway Spiral, you'll be able to uh, likely find more of, about this. But uh, My producer Zeus has come up with this story. It says uh, some newspapers and TV channels are quoting Russian military sources confirming that this is a failed Bolava missile launched from a nuclear submarine in the White Sea. The Norwegian defense has confirmed that even while they have not admitted the failure, the Russian Navy alerted them about the tests prior to the giant spiral appearing in the skies. And if that wasn't enough to convince everyone, here are two images of the missile's trail being blown away by the wind at dawn. So 
um, apparently there's you know been some people since this story uh, there's you know been quite a bit of investigation. Very, it's it's amazing to look at. The, it's amazing uh, the to look at. It's a it's an incredible phenomenon to look at. Anyway, I figured I'd share that with you because it uh, kind of tweaked me out a little bit. I thought the uh, the aliens were here or something. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I, for one, welcome our new little beady-eyed leaders. <laughs> All right, so let's continue and uh, continue the international news here, Mark. You've got something out of Australia land for us. What's going on, Doug? Oh, yes. Uh, down and <laughs> um, the, the good folks in Australia are not uh, immune, not not by a long shot from the, the socialist wave that uh, is sweeping the world, big government saving us from from ourselves. They've been socialists down there for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. This is from the CanberraTimes.com by Victor Valente. Smoking in Canberra's outdoor areas of pubs, clubs, and restaurants will be banned in 12 months following the passage of tougher anti-smoking laws in the Act Legislative Assembly yesterday. The Act government successfully passed legislation which would make it illegal for venues <laughs> to serve food and beverages in outdoor areas where smoking was permitted. Smoking will be permitted where there is sufficient buffer between the outdoor smoking and the non-smoking areas. Act help Smoking will be permitted where there's a buffer between the outdoors. Okay, gotcha. So no. there will be areas outdoors wherein people can smoke, just it's going to be further away than it's ever been. Yes. Well, you can't enjoy like the the people that perhaps would want to sit outside and enjoy a cigarette while they were um you know having their meal or after their meal or whatever can now no longer do that because the people that might not want to enjoy a cigarette uh you know might not want to smell that I suspect. So, right, and because people that don't smoke cigarettes are apparently entirely incapable of deciding to just go to a different restaurant where they have different rules. Yeah. Well, the the reason that this is a problem is because most restaurants are driven have driven smokers outside. That's why they have these patio uh, seating. So the people, some places had patio seating anyway. Certainly, they did. Yeah. But uh, this is where the, the smokers are driven to. Now, mm-hmm. um, where if you're a smoker and you want to smoke before, after, or during your meal or whatever it is you want to do, where are you going to go? Place where you can sit and do that. And the only places you can do that are ones with outdoor seating. And those outdoor seating places now likely cater mostly to smokers and the the odd person that just wants to sit outside. I don't smoke cigarettes, but I often do like to sit outside and enjoy a meal. I would probably prefer not to sit next to a guy who uh, is is smoking. However, I would never consider using the power, the legislative power of the government to pr- force a restaurant to decide how it is that they want to let uh, you know people behave the reason that they're out there in the first place is because they can't be inside because the government's already passed that law so they drove them out and then drove them out of here uh, too act health minister i love that by the way that they there's apparently a what is it a political party that calls itself act down there Mm -hmm. it makes it sound like they do something (laughs) you know uh, Katie Gallagher says the laws would not take effect until December the 1st, 2010, to allow businesses to make the necessary changes to their outdoor areas to comply. Mm. You have to change, do you have to make? The Liquor, Hospitality, and Miscellaneous Union welcomed the ban. The, Is that right? Yep, yeah, yeah, that's the, the union welcomed We it. love being regulated. Please give us more. Well, give what's us the union more? care? The Unions Act Division Secretary Lionel Ryan said the hospitality industry was the Last area where workers had no choice about being exposed. Oh, it's the to workers again, is it? Path, passive smoke, and the new laws would make would put a stop to that. Because the Australian every... Hotel Association was criticized. The new laws arguing that they will achieve no health benefits. 
because every single uh, hospitality worker was forced to work in the hospitality industry. When I worked um, for restaurants and bars, I wanted the smoking section because they tipped better. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's not over for the smokers yet. This is just the next step in a long series of steps to completely ostracize them from society. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site, and they are free, so enjoy those, including our chat room. You can go in there during the show or any old time. The best time is during the show. At chat.freetalklive.com, get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. That's chat.freetalklive.com. And if you're like me, you hate making those extra trips down to the car to, uh, you know, get the groceries, carry them in one after another. And for the last few months at my house, we've been using this cool little tool called a tota sack. They're made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States, and it's designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. You can go to totasack.com. That's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. And you can get a, a couple of family packs today. If you get two family packs, they'll actually, for the holiday season, drop ship the other family pack to a uh, friend or relative uh, for free. So it, you can just go to totasack.com. They have the telephone number there if you want to take advantage of the, the double family pack deal. You have to give them a telephone call, but you can just order uh, online there if you want it. Totasack.com. T-O-T-A-S-A-K. All right, so we continue here. You may bring up whatever's on your mind by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Meantime, let's talk about the government. I mean, they, they love you so much. People will tell you that the government's there to keep you safe. They're there to protect you, protect and serve uh, it's the government's role. If you look at the founding documents of various different uh, state governments, for instance, around the country, that uh, it's their job to protect your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of uh, property, pursuit of happiness. And so Rachel Porcaro is very, very well aware of this. Ms. Porcaro, from the Seattle Times, knows that she's hardly rich. And, of course, when you're not very rich, the government loves you even more. The government cares. I mean, they've got all these they programs. They try to take very good care of you. Right. They've got all these programs, and uh, they want to take some money from other people and give it to you because you're poor, and, and the government loves you. Well, when you're a single mom making 10 bucks an hour, you don't need government experts to tell you how broke you are. But that's what happened. The government not only tore, told Ms. Porcaro she was poor, they also said she was too poor to make it living in Seattle. See, it all started a year ago when Porcaro, a 32-year-old mom with two boys, was summoned to the Seattle office of the Internal Revenue Service. Just helpful. Helpful people there. They're just trying to help, just trying to make things better for folks. What would we do without them? She had been pl- uh, flagged for an audit, and she couldn't That's believe great. it. She made $18,992 the previous year cutting hair at Supercuts. Seems pretty good for a, uh, a hair cutter. Eighteen grand. A few hundred it doesn't know. A few hundred of that she spent to have her taxes prepared by I don't know. It seemed like you're a haircutter. You might be making like twelve or fifteen, but eighteen. Anyway, a few hundred of that she spent to have her taxes prepared by H and R Block. 
I asked the IRS tax lady straight up front, I don't have anything. Why are you auditing me? Porcaro recalled. I said, why me when I don't own a home, a business, or a car? The answer stunned both Porcaro and the private tax specialist that her dad had gotten to help her. They showed us a spreadsheet of incomes in the Seattle area, said Dante Driver, an accountant at Seattle's GA Michael & Co. The, the auditor said, you made 18000 and our data show a family of three needs at least 36000 to get by in Seattle. See, they thought she must have had unreported income, that she was hiding something. Basically, they were auditing her for not making enough money. Seriously, says uh, Danny Westneed over at the Seattle Times, an estimated 60,000 people in Seattle live below the poverty line, meaning they make $11,000 or less for an individual or 22000 for a family of four. Does the IRS red flag them for scrutiny simply because they're poor? I asked the local office of the IRS. They said they couldn't comment for <laughs> privacy reasons because, you know, they're, they care. I mean, that's why they're... They they're can't comment to, why it is they audit a poor people because it's privacy. for privacy. They're just trying to protect right. your privacy. What kind you of know. sense does that make? It's, we're not asking about a specific poor person. But, you know, privacy. It's important. Privacy. We're the government. We care about privacy. We're not so answering. We're not comment. And insert your reason here is really the, 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 how it comes down. Right. Well, the truth is, the truth of the matter there is the government cares about its privacy. It's very concerned with yes, what it allows uh, into the public eye or not. But your privacy, they could give a flip about. You have no privacy when they come knocking. We can't give you any kind of broad interview because your request is associated with the case of an individual taxpayer, said IRS media relations bureaucrat in a, uh, in a statement. So the Seattle Times author will uh, just tell us Rachel's story. She had a year-long odyssey into the maw of the IRS. After being told she couldn't survive in Seattle on so little, she was notified that her returns for both 2006 and 2007 had been found deficient. She owed the government more than $16,000, so they claim. They right? just make, made a number up. $16,000. Right. This is about what she makes in a year. That's right. We don't believe you, so you owe us this amount. And that's almost an entire year's pay. She couldn't pay it, of course. Her dad, Rob, has run a local painting business for 30 years. He asked his accountant for help. Rachel's returns weren't all that complicated, as you might imagine. At issue, though, was that she and her sons, her two sons, ages 10 and 8, were all living in her parents' house at her rain, in, uh, in Rainier Beach. She pays 400 a month in rent. So the IRS concluded that she wasn't providing for her children and therefore could not claim them as dependents. She stood to lose what is called earned income tax credit, a refund targeted to help low-income workers. You qualify only if you're working, as Rachel has been. Driver quickly. So she's paying rent, albeit uh, it sounds like low rent, $400 a month, yeah. and it's at her parents' house, mm -hmm. and uh, her sons stay with her, and I assume that that rent covers her sons, uh, and, and they don't like the amount of rent that she's paying, essentially. Well, they're saying uh, that, well, because she's living in her parents' house, but she's I not guess, providing she's for not her providing own sons. Yeah. I mean, she's paying rent. Right. It's not like she's getting it for free, not that I feel mm -hmm. that that matters either, but... Driver quickly, this is the accountant, quickly determined the IRS was wrong in how it was interpreting the tax laws. He sent in the necessary code citations and hoped that would be the end of it. I mean, of course they're going to, you know, you show them their own code and they're going to, of course, say, oh my God, what, what were we thinking? I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry as an IRS bureaucrat. How could we have done this? It's clear from this man's uh, letter. Uh, look, boss, it's clear from this man's letter that he is absolutely right and that Ms. Borcaro or Ms. Porcaro is absolutely in the right, and that we have we have done wrong. 
How could we have done? How could we have made such a, a humongous mistake and torn this young woman's life apart? Oh, except they didn't do that. Instead, the IRS responded by launching an audit of Rachel's parents. The uh, dad, in this case, said, I was floored. Rob Porcaro, age 59. I get audited now and then on my business, so I've been through it before. But to have them go after me because of my daughter, well, I've never heard anything like it. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, with, with the incredible tax burden that's out here, people are driven to uh, live with their parents and things like that. And then the IRS comes after them for doing it. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Rob and his wife, Patty, had to send in house blueprints, bank statements, old utility bills. Rachel was asked to prove her children were hers, as well as document the money she'd spent on her children's clothes, health care, and so on. You keep all those receipts, don't you? Keep all those receipts? Because I can tell you, I don't. Yep. I, I can tell, tell you, you I do. I, I make write-offs. So. I can't tell you how many uh, receipts or... or how, actually, I, or, if it's not a write-off, I don't keep it, and I don't think that children's clothes would be. They racked up $10,000 in accountants' bills, 8000 of which driver is trying to recover from the IRS. In the end, the parents were cleared. The IRS also backed off trying to reclaim Rachel's earned income tax credit. But don't forget the amount of time that was put in by these people. How many hours and yeah, hours yeah. they're put in. This is what the IRS does. and What it does to every American man, woman, child is they require labor from you in order to do their work, and they don't compensate you for it, and that's indentured servitude, and it's outlawed. Not it's not over yet. We're, we've got more here about Borcaro and what they did to her because they care. They care. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll free to one 800 259-9231. Maybe you want to share your story of the helpful folks at the IRS and how they help you. 800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Head on over to the Facebook profile at facebook.freetalklive.com and become a fan. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. Plus, what if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? Well, it's happening. And you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And maybe if you're like me and you're sick and effing tired of these bureaucrats who deem to run every little aspect of your life, maybe you are willing to get up, move, uh, get your life together and move it out of wherever you are and come here to New Hampshire to get together with other like-minded individuals who are here making a difference who are here backing each other up, who are here getting active in ways that previously have been just not seen within the liberty movement. Aren't you sick and tired of this crap? In case you're just tuning in, we're telling you a story from the Seattle Times about a young lady uh, named Rachel. She's 32 years old. She's got two kids. She works at Supercuts, made $18,992 in a recent year, and was audited by the IRS. Why? Because they determined that she couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly live in Seattle, have two kids, and make $19,000. 
She couldn't possibly. But she she couldn't possibly. She lived at her parents' house. I mean, it's not like she was, uh, you know, paying for her own place there. And her rent was what what sounds to me like it was uh, extraordinarily abbreviated. And I suspect that's because the parents saw the huge benefit of having their daughter and probably more importantly, their grandchildren right there in the house so that they could enjoy them. They saw the value in that. So they gave her a better rate. So uh, they probably and, wouldn't have rented out those rooms anyway, because it's probably a, a regular single family home. And, yeah. re- and you know, people Kids would are go, out. Yeah. Kids have moved out. Uh, so so in this case, she's she's living with her parents. They so they went after her parents as well, decided to audit them. They brought in an accountant. They racked up ten thousand dollars in accounting bills trying to defend from this attack. And in the end, the parents were finally cleared. The IRS also backed off trying to reclaim Rachel's earned income tax credit. But the agency insisted that Rachel could not prove that she was supporting her children. She didn't have enough receipts, see? So, well, in- see, and this is, hey, people, this is America, where you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, guilty. except when you're dealing with the IRS, because right. the IRS makes an accusation, and then you have to prove otherwise. Honestly, that's how it, it really runs elsewhere, but the IRS, uh, you know, is, is, is known for this. This, is, this yeah. is their thing. They make an accusation, then you prove otherwise. Well, you're obligated, don't you know? You have an obligation to them. These group of this group of strangers—they own Washington. you. Right. The evidence is that they own your labor. If they own your labor, don't they own you? So she had to stop claiming her own kids as dependents. A few weeks ago, she paid back one thousand four hundred thirty-eight dollars plus penalties and interests on that issue alone. Way to go, IRS! Fourteen hundred dollars for uh, somebody who makes eighteen thousand a year. I mean, that must, yeah. have, must have been a huge sum for her. Now. Remember, she makes 18 – right, it is a huge sum because she made $18,992, but that doesn't mean that she kept $18,992, right? I, I don't I don't know, just depending on how the story is written, but I suspect that's true. Well, anyway, back to the, uh, the story here. It's more here. than a month's pay. This, uh, it's, again, uh, the author here of the story, Danny Westneat at the Seattle Times, is written kind of in an uh, editorial style. Way to go, IRS, he says. You did an investigation likely costing tens of thousands of dollars, counting both sides – to squeeze a grand out of a single mom who did nothing wrong. Legally, Rachel's kids are now in tax limbo. I met them at the Porcaro's house, and they seemed real enough, jostling and pleading to play video games. But as far as the IRS is concerned, they don't exist. Right, because now if, if they're not her dependents, who dependents whose dependents are they? None, they live at the parents' house. They can't claim them either. But well, they, well Then they absolutely should be able to. I mean, this, is ab- no. this is absolutely wrong. Now this is this is how the IRS works. We're just trying to keep people safe. We're just yep. trying to help. We're just trying to help. We need honesty. You know, we need it's difficult. All your receipts. We need every slip of paper that you have ever been given by a store clerk. It's difficult for me to sit here and call government bureaucrats evil because I believe that a lot of them really want to do the right thing. But when I hear stories like this, that's how I feel. Yeah, I absolutely. feel like I'm dealing with a group of evil people. These people are taking money from this woman, this poor woman that doesn't make that much money, and then they're not even giving the earn. They, they it's depend- not evil. It's, it's, it's not evil because we have to support our government. That's but, what's most important. But you're breaking your laws to do it. I mean, these two no, kids are dependents of somebody, clear. aren't they? That They don't exist. <laughs> we can't find any evidence that they exist. No receipts. We need receipts. Yeah, sorry. That's what proves that kids are alive. Nope, mm-hmm. nope. Your pictures aren't going to cut it. I don't care. You could have picked those kids up off the street. How do we know they're yours? Well, I filled out your birth, your stinking birth certificates to get them. Now, why did this happen? Well, the uh, I oh, oh, by the way, the dad says, "I'll tell you, we don't buy a roll of toilet paper anymore without keeping the receipt." 
It's just so sad. Yeah, you've got to keep a receipt for everything. Why did this happen? The IRS won't say, but Congress has been fighting for years about the earned income tax credit for the working poor. Republicans have called the credits backdoor welfare and tried to cancel them. When they controlled Congress, they ordered the IRS to ramp up audits of people who claim the credit. In 2006, credit receipts such as Rachel were more twi- more than twice as likely to get audited as the rest of the 140 million individual tax filers. The Porcaros say they can't. Excuse me, the Porcaros say they get that the IRS can't just audit the wealthy. Poor people commit fraud too. But the intensity and duration of the IRS's obsession, as, the, as Rob called it, as well as that it appears the agency was trolling for the working poor, remains a sore point. It's why they agreed to talk about their finances in the newspaper. He said, I feel they're persecuting the people who are down in the mud, making the bricks. I'm sure there are tons who don't have the resources to lawyer up. Because this guy happens to own his own paint shop. I mean, mm-hmm. he's owns daddy right. owns his own business. She has a dad that you know is, is, is subsidizing her rent and uh, you know bought the accountants and the lawyers and all this other stuff. And thank goodness for it. But uh, you know, it who does it? Who you know what, what's it? What is it like for the people that don't have these things? What a way to go to have your own government take you down because you're too poor. Now the tax uh, specialist in this case, driver says it's well known the tax system targets the weak. People with sloppy returns, for example, who don't tend to be well off. He says, it's the way a wolf goes after the weakest sheep. And I'd say that's a pretty accurate statement. It absolutely is. Rachel says an irony of her year in tax hell is that the IRS is right about one thing. You can't get by in Seattle on what she makes. That's why she's living with her parents. To try to make a life in our shimmering city without relying on welfare, food stamps, or other public assistance. God bless her. She says, we're an Italian family. We're surviving as a tribe. It seems like we got punished for that. Sorry, they care. That's government's here to protect you, keep you safe. Just make sure you follow every single one of their arbitrary dictates to, to the T, or else, sucker. These stinking bureaucrats. The, uh, you know, this woman has chosen not to go the route of begging for money from the government and uh, yeah. and and taking money from the taxpayers that don't really have an option to give it to her anyway, and not and, and decides to live with her family rather than taking. She could have taken the money. She could live in an apartment with her kids and. Uh, you know, she would be able, and they would have left her alone. But she goes the other route, and they come after her. Yep, they're just like wolves going after the weak sheep. Really, we need these wolves in our societies. No, our society. Ron Paul said in his uh, 2008 run for president that if we that was in 2008, not 2009, so it was a year ago. If we got rid of the federal, uh, you know, the the IRS, that the federal government's uh, income would have make it have to shrink to 1999 levels. So let's move that up. Did you think that the government was too big in 2000? Because I sure did. Yeah. So I think that we could do without the IRS. I think that they're just a bunch of bloodsuckers that hurt people. This is a federal. Uh, this all I've is ever a, seen. A U.S. House of Representatives member here that said this, and this guy's educated on numbers. You can believe what you want that the well, the United States would crash and burn without the IRS, but. One of their repre- and burn, please. One of their representatives says otherwise, and I think we can just get rid of the uh, – let them shut their doors. They stink. They'll never do it. Uh, the IRS will never shut their doors. Well, they because- wouldn't shut their doors because uh, the federal government proves their ownership of you through the, um, the, the Internal Revenue Service. They own your labor, therefore mm. they own you. You are a serf of the federal government, and I double-dog dare you to prove otherwise. Well, you can prove otherwise by not so. paying. Well, you could do it. Yeah, and I double dog dare you to. Look what happened to this young lady. I mean, this is what she gets for paying taxes, right? You fill out a return wrong, they come after you. 
and it's easy to fill out a return wrong. So she filled out one with by hiring H&R Block. They normally do a pretty good job. They got guarantees and money back uh, guarantees and all that. But that didn't stop the the IRS from targeting her and coming after her anyway. More coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, please become a Free Talk Live amplifier today at amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, you just go there, you get signed up, There, you can use any major credit card or PayPal or some of our alternative options for those of you that don't have credit cards or PayPal. We've got those for you. And you get perks like access to the Amp Only call-in lines, chat room, forum, the Amp Only podcast, and more. It's all free for you if you're an amplifier. Or excuse me, I guess it's not really free, uh, but it's they're bonuses, they're perks yes. for you. Uh, that you will get as an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. And the Shrine of Female list- Listeners, which is free for everyone, is, That's right. is brought to you by Manchester Brewing. Manchester Brewing purveyors of tonsil polish and spandex removers since the Norman Conquest. Manchesterbrewing.com. All right, so uh, we continue here. The story we've been sharing with you is out of the Seattle Times. We pretty much finished with it by uh, at this point, but it's yet another tragic instance of someone who was entirely innocent, someone who did not believe they were doing anything wrong and has not done anything wrong in that, number one, certainly no one was harmed, but number two, there has not even really been a, a, a violation of the IRS's own rules, according to the, the tax accountant they hired. We're talking about Rachel Bor- uh, Porcaro, 32-year-old mother of two, in Seattle, who, uh, according to the IRS, isn't making enough to live in Seattle, and so therefore she must be engaging in fraud, therefore she needs to be audited and her life torn apart, ruined, and just... It's so outrageous what they've done here in this case, and it's just one of likely thousands upon thousands of cases, many of which we probably never hear about because they don't have a newspaper reporter who comes to talk about their story, in this case, we did hear about it, and it just makes you wonder how many people's lives are torn apart like this every single year. And uh, the demeaning aspect of this, I think, is is tremendous. This mother, who's working hard as a Supercuts hairdresser, mm-hmm. um, has is making $18,000 a year, and she's got two kids, and she's living at her parents' house, paying them uh, $400 a month rent, and... She has been told by the IRS after they steal money from her on a regular ba- out of her paycheck every single month through the withholding tax, 
Um, and, and I'm not sure how many, how, how many, how much she pays in taxes at the end of the year, what it adds up to. But she certainly gets money taken out of her check. Yes, um, that's you know, money what, she can't use to buy food and stuff. Right, that that she is inadequately caring for her kids and therefore will not get the earned income tax credit for the kids. Uh, you know, like here it is. You're not taking care of your kids. We're gonna take. We're taking your money every month, and you're not making enough to take care of your kids. So we're taking away this tax credit that we give you for having them isn't that disgusting they yes. steal money from her and then tell her that she's doing an inadequate job of of providing for her children well it's like you said mark they own you i mean all the evidence is that they own you right because if the irs tells you basically the rule is the, the rules are that you do exactly as they say whatever they say whatever arbitrary demands they make upon you you will follow them you'll smile too while you do it or else uh you will yeah, if you don't you'll get some big old audit yeah, you will uh, do everything that they tell you to do. You'll cross your fingers. You'll hope that they don't audit you, but they might just pick you anyway and make your life even more of a living hell because it's already bad enough to just have to go through, to jump through the IRS's hoops, to just try to understand the taxes, to try to comprehend what it is that you're doing, to hope that you aren't making some sort of uh, tiny error that will result in whatever the, the threat is at the bottom that you sign. You sign under the penalty of perjury in five years in prison. I swear that I know what the hell I'm doing here. And uh, so they they threaten you with all of this, and you hope that uh, that you'll remain you'll you'll remain unscathed as the years go on. It's just a climate of fear. It is sick. It is twisted, and it just it they own you. And that's what these people are doing. Now these poor folks here in this case in Seattle are basically saying, well, we're never going to throw another receipt away again. We understand now. Boy, have we been taught a lesson. We what, we were bad, bad little citizens. I know we didn't really think that we were doing anything wrong. But apparently we didn't save every single receipt, and so therefore we weren't able to defend ourselves against the IRS. Maybe if we'd saved every single receipt, we would have had a slight chance of actually coming out successful in this. Though who knows, maybe they wouldn't have anyway. Maybe it would have made a damn bit of difference. Uh, but nonetheless, now they're going to be even more obedient in the future because of the targeting in this particular case. And of course, people are going to read this story and they're going to get scared and they're going to uh it's probably going to be good for the tax it's industry muscle. it's it's absolutely just flexing their muscles for the for the newspapers yep and so what do you do about this right i mean everybody knows that the irs is dangerous everybody knows that they're they're a band of thugs that just targets people and turns their lives upside down everybody knows it nobody's a friend nobody's friends with an irs agent well, Nobody I'm sure I know. somebody is. But yeah, maybe the other agents. But who would want to be palsy walsies with somebody that makes it their living to destroy people's lives? I suppose there are probably people out there that don't actually work for the IRS that are just through and through status that could stomach hanging out with someone that works for the IRS. I suppose there are people out there like that. Certainly isn't anyone I know. But what do you do about it, right? Because it's it's commonly known, and it has been for years. I mean, the IRS is regularly made fun of in popular culture and movies and things like that, where it's uh, it's, a, it's a big joke in many cases that the IRS is a violent gang and they, they are hurting people and the things they do are absolutely awful. But nobody really knows what to do about it because, well, you can't fight City Hall, right? You, you certainly can't fight the federal government. You certainly can't fight the IRS. So what do you do? Do you just... Shut up, bow down, kiss the boot, take it. Well, it's like I was saying before, what if Rachel Porcaro wasn't actually filing taxes? What were what would her odds be? I'm just curious of Minimal getting... is quite honestly the right. answer. I've, um... She was audited 
because she files taxes. How do you audit someone who doesn't send in a return? I'm not an expert. I don't know what all the numbers are. Well, I've got an article here called Taxes Schmaxes, and they actually address sort of what um, your, 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 your chances are of getting audited if you don't file a return. I'd like to, uh, to talk about that, but let's go to the phones here first. We've got an unscreened call on the amp line. You're on the air on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, it's Dustin near Los Angeles. Hey, Dustin. Hey, uh, I like this topic. Um, in my neighborhood, there's a little tax, uh, you know, where they do your taxes, and, and the mm-hmm. big sign says Liberty Tax. <laughs> That's the name of their company. Yeah, talk Anyhow, about, uh, would that be, oh, shoot, oxymoron? Sort of an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a form right in front of me here. I don't have the, the actual bill because this is the response form to the IRS Fresno Center here. And uh, the bill shows up and says, hey, you owe us about $40,000. This okay. came to your house? Oh, yeah. Okay. So th- this happens all the time to everyone all across the country. Jeez. You know, this is not an isolated incident, incident you're talking about. So I, here's my options. You see, they tell me what <laughs> my options are. That's right, because well, they own you, and you have an obligation, right? Right. So option one, I agree with all the charges. 39582 bucks. Sure, why not? <laughs> Cut the check. Yeah. Right. And then there's an option two, I do not agree. And then the... I don't agree with any of them, and it goes on and on. So there's nothing that says I'm not obligated, <laughs> right? So um, needless to say, I did not check the box that says I agree. Then they want your info. And we even use one of these uh, these tax preparation centers. I won't name it, but, sure. you know, reputable. Absolutely, because how the hell can you understand this crap all by yourself? How could right. you? There's all these kids, and how am I going to get my money back and all that? And plus which I'm thrilled that I did, I got the little insurance package. So if something goes wrong, then I get to put it back on them. Well, that's good news. In this case, some attorney uh, filed some paper that says we were paid 70 grand in some sort of settlement, which we never saw. Go figure. But whose job was it to fix it? Yours. It's mine. Like, you know, I'm guilty. Gotta go prove my innocence. So, so this is this is happening to you right now. Well, this is this has been handled. Okay. I just happened to have this form still in my backpack here. So, what? How, what, how did you go in and and prove yourself to uh, the master? Well, this was one phone call. It turns out, it's really like they're just fishing, and of course, mm. I freaked out, you know, and you get all upset. And my wife's real good with this stuff. She just makes a phone call, and and you, like you were saying, you kind of bow down a little bit, just enough to, to make them listen to you. And if you can redirect them, then they're going to go after someone else. I think that's the real trick here. So you're saying you made this go away after a, a quick call, but you think that they're just sending these letters out saying, hey, you messed up, you owe us this, um, in, in hopes that people are just, oh, God, please leave me alone, I'll cut the check. Well, yeah, if everybody's presumed guilty, then what do they got to lose? That's true, and they might as well. Yeah. If, if you if you can put them on somebody else's path, as you said, um, then that certainly would uh, be effective in, in getting them off yours. Thanks for the story, yeah, Dustin. Send them after the attorney, that's better for me. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Thanks for the call right. at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Now, Mark, you've got this uh, tax related thing that's got some numbers. Yes. In it? All right. As far as your odds of being audited or uh, odds of being targeted without filing a return. Correct. All right, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour 3 is coming up. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. 
After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart, 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. As we launch here into the third hour of the program, you can bring up absolutely anything. 1-800-259-9231. We're going to continue with your calls. Uh, But, Mark, you wanted to share something with us about the numbers, the statistics. Because we were talking the last hour, for those of you just tuning in, Talking in the last hour about a young lady, a 32-year-old uh, a lady in Seattle, two kids, makes less than $19,000 as a hair cutter, was targeted by the IRS because the IRS didn't believe she could possibly live in Seattle, have two kids, and make that kind of money. They ended up tearing her life uh, apart. She turns out she lives at home with her parents, pays them $400 a month in rent so she can actually afford to live in Seattle as a result of that. But none of this was good enough for the IRS. They decided to, you know, take a big old crap on her life. And uh, and they they forced her to pay I think something like fifteen hundred dollars back to them and she's no longer allowed to get the earned income tax credit. They're claiming that she can't claim her kids as dependents because she didn't show enough receipts. I mean it's just crazy. And so my question was, well, she was targeted because she filed a tax return. So how likely would it be that she was t- that she would be targeted had she never filed anything at all with the IRS? Well, in her case, um, it, it, it's a bit more complicated because she works for somebody. But um, this article is from Slate.com. That's S-L-A-T-E.com. Mm-hmm. And it's called entitled Taxes Schmacks, Uh It's What Happens If I Don't File a Tax Return by Christopher Beam. And I've been researching this this topic for a while now. I'm very I'm interested in it. I've been told as many as 60 million Americans don't file taxes, and those are people that are of working age. We're not talking about uh, you know elder the elderly or the the children or any or children or anything like that. And um, so I want to know. Uh, so this is the, an article on that. Well, there there was a statistic in the story from the Seattle Times. Let me see if I can pull it up here uh, real quick of of how many millions. Of tax filers there are, and I think it was 120 or something like that. Uh, I'll see if I can dig that up. Go ahead with your. I heard it was. I I I thought it was 170 million people pay taxes um, on an annual basis. 140. 140. 140 million individual tax filers. So there are um, 300 million people in the country. 300 million. I don't know. Some of them. Some of them are going to be retired age, so they won't be filing uh, income taxes, right? I understood. Uh, What? Or you still have to file income taxes if you get like retirement income. I would think you do. Would think so. Enough. I mean, the IRS isn't just going to give you a pass because you're 70, are they? They want your damn money. 
So it would be people that are under the age of 16 or 15, you know, where they haven't gotten a job yet that would not be uh, would not be right. filing. And that certainly doesn't come up to 160 million no people way. in the half of the population. No, it might be, you know, 50 million or something like that. I'm speculating. That seems high. In April, um, on April 15th, this is an, an old article. It's from April the 14th, 2009. On April 15th, millions of Americans will stand in long lines at the post office to file their tax returns. Obediently. Although usually a law-abiding citizen, the examiner can't help but wonder, what happens if I get tired of waiting and decide not to file my taxes at all? Probably nothing if you're self-employed without any major assets or loans. The odds of getting busted are extremely low. In fact, an estimated 7 million Americans fail to file their taxes every year. And I don't know where he gets that number either. Nobody really what cites the number? 7 million. That's 7 million. a minuscule number yep. um, compared to the 60 million that I'm quoting. But if they say there's 100 and... What was, read that line again. It's 140 million... Individual tax filers. Individual tax filers, and what that so excluding all corporations and all that. My wife and I file jointly. Does am I an individual tax filer and she's an individual tax filer? Are we an individual tax filer together? Hell if I know. Right. These are the questions that are difficult. I have not been able to satisfactorily answer. And you know, if you're willing to to take your chances, this is what Slate.com says. The seven million statistic. Maybe that's entrepreneurs. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. It says 7 million Americans fail to file their taxes every year. Hmm. And in 2008, the IRS examined only 158 million such cases, or 158,000 such cases. That comes to roughly 2% chance of getting caught. If the IRS does audit you, the agency probably won't press charges. Instead, they'll just file a return on, um, for you and charge you a fee for the trouble. Gee, thanks. It gets trickier, though. If you have a boss or if for some reason you end up in the IRS's radar... Businesses are required to file tax forms for every employee, so if an employee doesn't file or misrepresents his earnings, the IRS can spot that discrepancy quickly. The tax evasion can catch up, catch up with you if you take a, out a mortgage or a, um, for a house, since tax statements are usually necessary, mm-hmm. or if you take a government job, like, say, Treasury Secretary. <laughs> uh, I had a mortgage while I didn't file. Yep, I, I, that much is true, but at the time, you weren't really making very much, so... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I don't know what I was making. I don't know how much they want you to make or how much they require you to make or any of that. I don't know any of it. I have no knowledge of their system, and I don't want any knowledge. I don't have any. I don't believe I have any obligation, and I don't think they can show me any obligation beyond a jail cell. Sure, un- understood, um, and, and I agree with you. It's that jail cell that, that concerns me. Yeah. Evasion Go is Go ahead. Also- Go ahead. Just I think that if people were to stop paying and get together... There would be nothing they could do. Well, sure, I they could put some of you in jail, but I think so you what? have a very good case as having a religious exemption by being a Quaker. Is that right? I think you you have a better case. I, I would like to see that your chances on that one. I've always been a Quaker then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> always believed like that. Evasion is also a bad idea if you uh, have enemies. The IRS often snags evaders when embittered spouses or fired mm. um, evaders when uh, spouses or filed, fired employees rat out their former lovers or bosses. Right. Lastly, if you're planning on cheating the government, it is, they say, <laughs> cheating the government. If you're, if you're planning on not being cheated Typical by the government, view. it is best not to be famous. Wesley Snipes went on trial in 2008 after earning uh, three, $38 million over five years and paying zero in, on his income. 
There's a difference between paying taxes for a few years than stopping and never um, paying them at all. The IRS keeps records, so it knows if you're sudden if you suddenly stop filing. You'd probably have to, uh, more luck sailing under the radar if you just start cheating them from the get-go. But again, that'll work only if you're self-employed or cheating, better yet, unemployed. The term cheating suggests that there is some sort of up-and-up thing going on here. Cheating the IRS is like cheating a man who sticks a gun in your back and demands all the money in your pockets. I don't disagree. You should also keep in mind that the IRS can bust you down the line. Yes, there's a statute of limitations on criminal penalties. After six years, you can't go to jail for not paying taxes. <laughs> not taxes. But if the uh, um, you after six years you cannot you can't go to jail for not paying taxes. But if the IRS discovers that you didn't file your taxes in 2008, they can still force you to pay civil penalties. But wait, you did stand in line at the post office and you did pay your taxes. What are your chances that you'll be audited? Depends on your tax bracket. If you make between Twenty-five and a hundred thousand dollars. The odds of getting audited are about seven in a thousand. That the guy number, in the article, the story we read, said he'd been audited several times as a business owner. Yeah, businesses I think are, are much more likely. That is just so sad. It's just you've got to live in fear in that cli- in that kind of a climate. I don't. Why would you want to do business like that? I don't know. The number goes up if you make more money. Um, if you make between a hundred and two hundred thousand, you've got a one percent chance. That the other was 0.7. Mm-hmm. Between uh, 200 and 500, the odds go up to about 2%. Once you get to the highest income category, 10 million or more, there's a 10% chance you'll get audited. Jeez. The likelihood, well, I mean, who, it's the big fish, right? You put right. your line in the water for a big fish, not for the little ones. Yeah. The likelihood of auditing also goes up slightly if you make less than $25,000. Mm-hmm. Since the uh, low-income earners are more likely to take advantage of the earned income tax credit, the IRS conducts randomized audits every few years, but... There's more data um, collection than about uh, more about data collection than bu- about busting tax evaders. Of course, that doesn't mean every person in the same tax bracket has the same chance of getting audited. Every tax return gets a score that reflects its audit potential, called a DIF score. The exact components of the DIF score are secret; otherwise, we would all know how to avoid getting audited. If your DIF score is high enough, um, your if your tax return has enough red flags, it will trigger an automated audit. About 80% of audits are conducted entirely by computer. The rest of the time you deal with an IRS agent. The biggest red flag is high deductions compared with your income. For example, if you earned $60,000 this year and donated 50000 to charities, the IRS might wonder, how did you get by on just 10000 Or say you have a business that reported uh, half a million in income but netted uh, 25000 in profits. The IRS might suspe- suspect that there's more than just a bad economy at work. Your chance of getting audited also depends on the type of work you do. Restaurateurs, for example, have a history of dodging taxes because they primarily um, are compensated in cash. Farmers are also frequently non-compliant and thus also have relatively high risk of being audited. There you have it. Yep. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I say stop paying, avoid complying, do not send them any information, do not send them your money, don't go along with it, and get here to New Hampshire. Free talk line. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Features, by the way, including the archive. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours free right there on the front page of the site, freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. To your calls, Todd is in Michigan on the amp line. Hello, Todd. Hey, Ian Mark. How's it going, guys? on your mind tonight, Todd? Well, this tax insanity is just ridiculous. Uh, You know, I, I really, really feel... Uh, horrible uh, for this woman, Rachel Bacaro, and mm-hmm. I was reading uh, her, her, the piece that you guys were reading on the air, and I will tell you right now, it never it, it never surprises me when you see all these um, tax preparation firms like H&R Block and Tax Masters you know, asking, you know, well, solve your tax problems. I know there's, there's this one uh, commercial that's aired here in Michigan. If you're having trouble with the IRS, give us a call. You know, at one eight hundred blah 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 blah. And and we'll we're, you know we're tax masters. We solve your problems. And there's, there's this big fat guy on screen. You know, uh, you know, saying you know we're going to take care of you. We're going to help you. I think those firms and everything are just a rep. I mean, you're paying probably I don't know how much money you're showing out to these firms. But it's funny because uh, even if you don't use those firms and you try to e-file your taxes to the IRS, even before April 15th, guess what? Um, Intuit has lobbied to make it hard for you not to file electronically, and uh, it's it's just... To help them, to, to the purpose of that, Intuit is a, a software firm, so the purpose is uh, of their lobbying in that way would be to shuffle more business over to their software as a result of making it more difficult to file without using the e-file, correct? Um, pretty much, and you know, the, the, the thing is, this is the same company, by the way, that created the TurboTax software. Yeah. So... If you go and get a copy of the total tax and you're registered with the company, and and generally they send you an upgrade of the software every year, at least, or actually you're actually supposed to buy uh, the upgrade itself, then it just uh, it makes it harder um, for you to file electronically because you know the IRS doesn't have it set up easily where you can just file and send your tax uh, return online so easily, yet they charge uh, a fee, which is basically a tax on the taxes that you're supposed to be paying on your tax return. They charge a fee for what? I'm sorry. For e-file. Oh, for the e-file. Okay. Can you believe it? For the e-file. Oh, see, what you're saying is they're making it harder to e-file than it is to, uh, to mail it in. Um, yeah, basically, that's that's what's been happening. I, I was actually looking it up on Wikipedia, and they actually have this on there. So it's 
it's it's insanity. I mean, you know, all these businesses you're talking about are essentially they're they're like parasites. I mean, the the IRS is obviously a parasite, but these are kind of the buddies of the parasite in that uh, H&R Block and the, all the other accountants uh, out there, the tax accountants out there, and the Intuit and the, these the software companies and the people that do the e-filing. It's a multi-billion-dollar multi business. Oh, a lot of there. I think there are hundreds of billions involved, but I'm not positive on that. It's it's huge, huge. It's huge, absolutely. And what's really really horrible is that they're basically basically scamming these people and 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 the government's basically in favor of that they well, sure they scamming are. you anyway well right right you know, they're they're all buddies yeah, they're yeah. all in bed together and it's because of the IRS that these other companies can even exist, and, remember, and they pu legal. they position they position themselves as your your buddies, like they, like you're saying that the guy on the television Good is job. acting like he's your, yeah he's acting like he's your friend. Boy, thank goodness he's around, or else those IRS guys sure would be really tough to deal with. Yeah, those remember it's legal and they can get away with it. And you know this whole thing about well, if you don't file your income taxes, we're going to put liens and everything. You know something. I have a message for those people who are scared crapless about, you know, not filing their taxes. What is it worth more to you? Is it really worth sweating um, over not paying your taxes or, if, or, or is it worth, uh, you know, sweating over uh, filing an income tax, but, but then again, you're being audited? What's what? What is it worth to you in in the final analysis? I don't know. Either because, way, either way, it's a good question because either way, you're looking at time in jail, right? Because if you file taxes and you botch it up, well, you've signed you've signed something on the bottom that says, "Well, I understand all these rules, and I understand I could uh, face time in jail if I uh, perjure myself." Blah 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 blah. They have that form at every single you're uh, tax. Damned form. if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I agree no with that. Which way you go? Well, if they want to target you and make your life living hell, that much hell, is true. They if they will. want to target you, they 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 certainly will. Um, you're statistically less likely to be molested if you're in sort of the average bracket and you uh, file than if you don't file. But it's it's not much better. And you know, I I, I there's there's the Wait, moral wasn't that quandary statistic too. Based on the seven million statistic, I would assume, which is different from the numbers you've heard. Yep, you right. Know, that's the thing. I can't find an any any good numbers. Book. Right. There is an excellent book out there by Sheldon Richman called Your Money or Your Life, yeah. Why We Must Abolish the Income Tax. And it's um, and he's talking about at great length how the tax code and the incentives really are so perverse and so horrible that, uh, that the tax system is basically so punitive towards the poor because this whole thing that, you know, we got to have a tax system, we got to have a tax system, and those who want, you know, this graduated income tax, like, or this flat tax, if you will, um, where everybody pays the same rate, but if you make, say, seventy or $80,000 a year, you're paying the same rate, but you're still paying more money. It's just, it's, in, in, in many ways, it's, it's just as bad or even worse in many respects. Yeah, and, and besides so, that, it's just fantasy to believe that anybody's ever going to abolish the income tax. Nobody's uh, going to do that ever at the federal government level. The federal government's going to crash and burn before anything like that ever occurs. I thank you, Todd, for the call tonight. appreciate hearing from you. Your money or your life, 
why we should not I, I think the title of the book should be your money of your life your money or your life why we should refuse to obey the state the hell with these nazis these control freaks these sadists that's what they're doing with your money when they get your money they use it to hurt more people that's all they do with it they hurt people okay yeah sure they cut some welfare checks probably to some people that could actually use some help but all of those people could be helped in the absence of the coercion they could be helped on a voluntary basis, by but what consent. about the, the you know seventy percent of every welfare dollar goes to middle class bureaucrats to administer that stuff? So that's the people they're really worried about protecting. Toll free numbers eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up what you want. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free on the site, so enjoy those, including updates. You can get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free, updates.freetalklive.com. And check out the Low Country Liberty Report. It's a uh, it's, it's YouTube videos done by a Ridleyographer from Savannah, Georgia. He Taren. Told, yep, his name's Taren. And we, we talk on the phone on probably a bi-weekly basis. He's a really great guy. Uh, it's pro li- pro-freedom issues for uh, pro-liberty folks there. He doesn't pretend to be open-minded on the issues as much as he just tries to be you know, fair. He doesn't hide the fact that he's, um, you know, he's, he's liberty-minded. Yes, he just did a very biased piece on Free Talk Live and <laughs> the Liberty Radio Network, which was great. Yep, that's why we like them. LCLreport.com. That's LCLreport.com. And I wasn't even one of his sponsors back when he did that piece. He shot that back in uh, during the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Now, free, uh, freekeen.com, my blog site, is, is a sponsor of the, the LCL Report. So we just got this wonderful little relationship. It's great. Yep. I, I just, I, I believe, have, you know, he, he believes in Free Talk Live as much as we do, and uh, we, we thank him for it. All right, so uh, you can take control of the airways. We go to your calls. Alex is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live on the amp line. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys. Just to uh, inform your listeners who weren't listening last night, uh, I had to do a uh, make a poster in a group for my uh, chemistry lab course here at UNH, mm. and I had to make uh, public policy recommendations for global warming. And uh, I'm calling in to fulfill my promise to tell you how that went. Right, right. Basically, the crux of the assignment was that you had to come up with ideas about regulating, right? Right. The the idea was to uh, propose different ways of regulating uh, sources and sinks for different uh, uh, so-called IR active uh, molecules and forming public policy. Right, because that's the viewpoint that is propagated in college in America and in high school and in all other government, uh, government-run schools. The viewpoint that's propagated is if you want to make a change to the world, you have to use force and use the government. Yeah, and it's not like you're trying to prove or disprove global warming. The whole assignment is going under the assumption that it already exists. Right. Now, they're they're not even having that, that conversation anymore, period. That, that the global, is there global warming, uh, man-made global warming? That's not a conversation that's being had any longer. 
Right. So, but I uh, I went and I was assigned to a group of three, and each of us had a greenhouse gas that we uh, had to research. Mine was nitrous oxide, which is a very fun gas. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Did you do a personal experimentation? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, so. Uh, I, I, we go and we had to do the poster, and I was with these two girls, and they, um, they said, okay, well, Alex, what ideas do you have for, uh, for regulating it? And I said, oh, how about you know, going through uh, third-party uh, rec- uh, third uh, private certification companies? And they kind of looked at me, and they were very mm-hmm. confused. And I said, well, I, I think that the government should uh, get out of the way, and they should, uh, the government should not be involved in the regulation of these types of uh, substances. And they looked at me, and I, they said, you do, wait, you want to get a good grade, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and so I was floored by that. So, so I said, oh, so I can't get a good grade if I believe in the free market? And they looked at me and they just said, look, why don't you just step back and we'll do all the work? Right, yep. right. Yeah. Can, we be reassigned? You out. <laughs> Can we be reassigned? This guy's going to ruin our project. So, so they kicked me. They basically kicked me out, and I was just, you know, wandering around the room, just talking to people, and they did all the work. Wow. But uh, the, the the funny part was at the end, the uh, the, uh, the the teacher's assistant who uh, who runs the lab, he gave us all a uh, a survey sheet, and what we do is we grade everyone else's projects. So I went and I made an announcement to the whole room. Hey guys, let we for all our benefit, let's just all give each other one hundred percent, and we all did. So we all got 100%. What How a ludicrous. What a scam. Yeah, and, and it's so remedial. The, the way that they, they, they treat us like children. Right, this uh, is higher education. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're paying, this is what they're paying, yeah. what, $10,000, $20,000, dollars a year for. Boy, thank goodness for the, your parents are paying for this, for right, Alex? kids to grade themselves. Yeah, my parents are paying for it, which is always very nice. God, the inmates so. are running the asylum over there. Wow, that's great. That's a yeah. great story. I mean, a great as in absolutely awful and shocking, but... Well, it's wow. great that he didn't have to do any work. No, that is great. Yeah, I mean, hey, whatever. you got to get the piece of paper, right? Whatever it takes to get the damn piece of paper, that's all that matters. Well, right, I, I absolutely agree. What you did is you, you, um, you, you, you analyzed the strictures of the game, and then you figured out a way to, uh, to benefit yourself by using the, the rules as they stood, and you managed to benefit yourself by getting a 100, and that'll hey, be very valuable. Use the system. It's true. Absolutely. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for making it. Alex, appreciate you sharing that. 800-259-9231. Amazing. Amazing. Stupefying. And I thought it was interesting how, since he was put in a group, basically his viewpoint was essentially silenced. Because even though his viewpoint is entirely legitimate, the idea that if there is global climate change, and if it is actually man-caused... And something should be done about it, as though it's something that's significant and, and bad. Uh, these are all things that have not really ever been proven. But if all that stuff is true, then his idea is to, well, let's solve this with the marketplace. Let's solve this with consensual solutions voluntar- on a voluntary basis uh, involving people that are choosing to uh, persuade others rather than force others to do as, uh, as their arbitrary demands uh, dictate. It's a completely legitimate viewpoint, but yet, well, he was outvoted. So yeah, well, and fortunately, the um, and unlike the the democratic system that we have, fortunately he was outvoted on his uh, his ideas, but he didn't have to do the work. So the people yeah, that nice. the people that voted uh, against him at least carried the burden. Um, now that doesn't happen. 
All right, you can bring up absolutely whatever is on your mind here. Story out of Detroit News, DebtNews.com in Washington. The Obama administration will tell Congress Wednesday that it expects to lose about $30 billion of the $82 billion government bailout of the auto industry. Gene Sperling, senior counsel to Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, confirmed in an interview late today the administration's forecast is that it will lose $30 billion on its auto investments. But investments. <laughs> but that's down from an earlier estimate of $44 billion. Hey, hey, we've, we've slashed our losses. <laughs> we've, we've made money, people. Amazing. This is how the government counts. The real news is a projected loss. This is, listen to the spin. The real news is the projected loss came down to $30 billion from $44 billion, said Sperling, noting that auto sales have improved ahead of what many analysts had forecast. You know, we walked into this expecting to lose $44 billion. That's how we invested the government. It's a government investment. Of course you're going to lose money. Of course you are. The government can't invest. It doesn't care if it gets a return on its investment you can't call government bailouts investments but they'll call it an investment because well it makes it sound like they're actually doing something that you know is significant or in some way uh, risky that could possibly have a reward there's no there was did anybody really think that they, the loans would be paid back did anybody really think that Back when these things were happening, whether it was the Bush administration or the Obama administration, did anyone actually believe for one moment that there was a chance that the loans would be paid back in full? 800-259-9231, because $30 billion just went down the drain. And that's still the projected loss. It still hasn't, uh, the the final number has not been uh, calculated on this yet. They're still projecting the numbers here. Incredible. What else do you need to say about this? And what did we predict on this show? We had, we predicted that uh, they were going to have to waive these uh, these loans. They were going to have that they were going to give this money out to these car companies, take over ownership in, in part, which they've certainly done to GM. They've uh, basically they own GM, right? Lock, stock, and barrel at this point, isn't that pretty much the case? And uh, they they really with their deal with uh, Fiat uh, crippled Chrysler, as I understand it. Not that Chrysler wasn't crippled already; Chrysler crippled itself. But uh, you know, <laughs> Chrysler's in big trouble. The Treasury Department has loaned $50 billion to General Motors and swapped all but $6.7 billion of it for a 61% majority stake in the automaker in order for taxpayers to be repaid fully. <laughs> Who writes this stuff? <laughs> in order for taxpayers to be repaid fully. When have you ever gotten a check to repay you for your taxes? Where is my, where's my check from the, uh, the, uh, the, the auto bailout? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Does anyone believe this when they read it? It's Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Mark. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call if you make it now at 800-259-9231. And you can join us, of course, on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free on the site, and they include live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, 
All free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, just seven days, try out startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. You can start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. I've been using it. It's got a little link thing where you can you know, put it right up in your browser with all the other search things in the toolbar gizmo, and it makes it very easy. Startpage.com. I do like the toolbar gizmo. Yep. All right. Uh, so You're making fun of me. I'm going to continue. Oh, I like the toolbar gizmo. It's very right. helpful. Uh, so we're going to continue the story here just because I just want to share some of these, some more of these quotes with you and this from Detroit News about the bailout. Now, they're predicting the automotive bailout, which, as you know, was billions upon billions of dollars. And they're predicting now that they, the, the administration is expecting to lose about $30 billion of the $82 billion government bailout of the auto industry. And they're spinning it by saying that, well, it's our projected loss has come down. It was going to be $44 billion. Now it's just $30 billion. Didn't we do a great job? Hallelujah. Well, they say that auto sales have uh, improved ahead of what many analysts had forecast. The administration still holds out hope that if things improve, the administration could still recover more. Barack Obama said uh, today, or uh, when this was written, which was, I think, yesterday, saving General Motors and Chrysler saved hundreds of thousands of jobs. Really? How is that exactly? Can someone explain that one to me? Can you can you try to speculate, Mark, as the, the government apologist here, to explain to me how hundreds of thousands of jobs were saved by bailing out a couple of car companies? Um, they, they, the, the idea is, is that the, um, the, the auto industry is one seventh of the economy. I think they were saying, but you know what they were counting there were repair shops, uh, you know, people that, you know, sell auto parts, you know, all kinds of auto rental agencies as though these uh, portions of the industry would be, would have been affected. You know, I don't Ludicrous. know. Yeah, I don't know how many people work for uh, GM, GM and Chrysler. Or, or, and Chrysler, but I don't believe that their jobs necessarily were saved. I think that those companies probably would have gone into you know some situation where they cut out some some brands that were less profitable yep. and they would have reformatted. I mean, that's what bankruptcies. Four. That's the purpose of it: is to give them an opportunity to be uh, protected from creditors while they change their little they system. They restructure and right, or or sell themselves off to another company that'll right. buy their assets. And that's the other point. Let's say Chrysler would have failed, and that would be the one that was more likely of the two would have just completely gone under. It's not like those factories get bulldozed and all that uh, that right. machinery gets destroyed and all those people get um, taken out to the gallows. Those people um, would likely somebody would come in and an take over. Right, take over the the profit. Profitable uh, intellectual property of Chrysler, the what the 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 ones that sold, they'd sell the, these brands, they'd buy those brands, they'd sell, they'd buy those uh, factories, they, they'd employ those people. Those people are valuable. They know how to put cars together. There are car companies out there that want those people. Somebody would have could have come along and taken you know th- that uh, the, the capital, the 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 factories yeah. and stuff like that that are now sold off at much lower rates than Chrysler bought them for. They're cheaper now. They've been depreciated. The loss has been taken by the market marketplace. The people that loaned Chrysler the money or whatever to to get these things have had their losses, and then somebody would have employed these factory workers. Would they would they have gotten as good of a deal as they had from the uh, the the union? Probably not. I suspect uh, auto 
uh, auto factory worker guys or um, that work in the the American uh, industry, the American automotive in- industry. I think that they're compensated uh, higher than the ones that say work for the the Japanese con- co- uh, companies and stuff like that. So I suspect they would have taken a pay cut, and they didn't want to. And that was what it was really about. It you was know, about the unions. It's it's a shame that uh, that the these bailouts didn't happen when the typewriter industry was having a tough time. I mean, yeah. you know, that was really important. There were hundreds of thousands of jobs that uh, that could have been saved. We could have uh, kept the typewriter industry afloat. And, uh, and and still had ribbons. I mean, I, we we could still have typewriters with a click clackety click clack and and uh, and all. The, you know, we could. I mean, this is an important. I was just part in an America. antique store the other day, and uh, they were selling one there for five dollars. These are a, jobs we're talking about here. That they just let all those jobs fall by the wayside. All of those people who had those typewriter uh, industry jobs were just crapped on because the government didn't rescue their business. I mean, you can go down the line of all of the various different uh, obscure and now the nowadays obscure jobs that uh, are obscure, obscure industries today that were at one time very very vibrant. Yeah, okay, you can actually still buy typewriter ribbons today, but they're very very expensive. And and I don't know where you buy them. I mean, you can find them. There are specialty dealers that probably uh, online. That yeah, that that you you can order them from, but you're insane if you're trying to do this because well, you're, you're paying you're way too much. Well, no, no, no. You'd be using, you'd be trying to continue to operate your your old dot matrix printer or something. They still sell all of those well, old dot matrix printers uh, are used in a lot of industries. I know still. it's amazing, isn't it? Well, but you can't just go and uh, buy a dot matrix printer at uh, at Staples. No, you know, so you have to pay extra to get your hands on uh, legacy kind of uh, upkeep products like that. So anyway, what I'm pointing out is there are, there is still some vestige of that alive, but for the most part, it's a dead industry. And that's okay. And the reason why it's okay is because of what you were talking about earlier. When something fails, it's failing for a reason. Just because you're a car company doesn't mean that you have a right to exist any more so than any other company out there. The market has spoken and has said, your cars or your service or whatever the hell it is about your company sucks. And you don't deserve to stay in business. If you did, people would be buying your cars and people would be they'd be doing business with you but they're not so you're you're having a tough time you should close your doors auction off your inventory auction off your stuff and no. and shut up and go away and then let somebody else step in who is an innovator somebody who's got some new ideas that's going to bring something fresh to the table instead of bringing in some politically connected uh, uh, some losers bring them in have them operate these companies at a loss and then cut essentially just cut them free cash yep. and it's crazy i mean think about all the auto manufacturers that have gone under uh, up to this point. Uh, AMC went under. I know that there was something called a Stutz Bearcat at some mm. point. Willys used to make the Jeep, and then it got sold to AMC, and then it got sold to Chrysler. Right. And uh, How I, many of those maybe, people are still I, working in the business? Right. And <laughs> there's there's so many of them out there. Uh, Datsun, I, I don't know what happened with Datsun uh, turning to Nissan or whatever. Maybe they Nissan bought them. I, I don't know the specifics of these, but you know the world goes on. Car companies disappear, and we still have cars. We still have jobs. Everything's fine. The uh, S, let's see here. The One of the bureaucrats said it was the right decision then and the right decision now. Of course he, it was. He called him. it a courageous decision by the president to give the two automakers a rebirth, even though he knew it was not going to be politically popular. 
The estimate uh, first public accounting of the loss is connected to the rescue of General Motors and Chrysler is in line with what the Government Accountability Office told the Troubled Asset Relief Congressional Oversight Panel and former auto czar Steve Ratner have suggested. The Treasury Department has loaned $50 billion to General Motors and swapped all but $6.7 billion of it for a 61% share in the automaker, making them government motors now. The chairman and CEO, Ed Whitaker, said GM will make a $1 billion payment of its outstanding loans on December 31st and plan similar quarterly payments. The administration forgave much of Chrysler's $12 billion in government loans. Fiat, which owns 20% of Chrysler and controls the company, must repay $6 billion of the loans before it can acquire a majority stake. The Treasury Department also injected $13.5 billion in an auto finance company that GMAC and now owns a 35.4%. So there's all kinds of government ownership going on all over the the place in, in, these, uh, in these deals. They've just basically wiped out billions of dollars here and just said, oh, okay, well, it was a loan, now it's a giveaway. It's your money, though, that they're doing this with, of course, and that's the most uh, important point to uh, to mention here. And I just love it. In order for taxpayers to be repaid fully, GM stock would have to be f- worth far more than current estimates when the company goes public as earlier as next year. So wait, they're going public again? Weren't, weren't they already public? I don't know the specifics yeah, of this. I don't either. The president, uh, the uh, Barack Obama, defended the rescue at the auto industry of the auto industry at a speech on the economy today. We also took steps to prevent the rapid dissolution of the American auto industry, which faced a crisis partly of its own making, to prevent the loss of hundreds of thousands of jobs during an already fragile time. These were not decisions that Sounds were like Walter po- Cronkite's been elected were popular or satisfying. I really haven't heard his voice very much to be able to do. A good he kind of sounds like Elvis. Uh, Obama does. They were not popular or satisfying, but they no, were decisions that were necessary. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is, apparently. They stole your money, gave them to a bunch of uh, muckety-mucks, and then just waived all the debt. Not like you ever would have seen another dime of it. We'll yeah, you weren't going to get the money back. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. Okay, the Edgington Post interview series continues, and today I have with me uh, the author of what I have described as the most important book you're likely to read in your lifetime. And that author is Joe Plummer. Joe, are you there? I'm here, Mark. Excellent. So, Joe, um, this book, Dishonest Money, which I am such a huge advocate of and um, have uh, put on our webpage, gold.freetalklive.com, with a, uh, a silver liberty walking, uh, walking liberty coin so that people can, you know, enjoy having their first real piece of silver in their hand and learn about uh, the Federal Reserve and its, its evil, the evil way that it taxes people when they don't even know about it. Um, you put out a second edition, is that right? That's correct. Well, tell me um, what's changed. Tell me about, I guess, first about Dishonest Money. For somebody who hasn't read the book, um, what is it that they can expect? Uh, they can expect to learn about what is truly, no exaggeration, the largest fraud ever perpetrated against mankind. That is not an exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. doesn't sound like it to me. 
It, it, well, it isn't. I mean, you know, a long time ago when everybody else was trying to figure out how they could earn more money or how they could borrow more money or even how they could steal more money, one group uh, was clever enough, if you want to use that word, to figure out a way to just create money. They were able to fool everybody into accepting a substitute for what everyone else uh, was using in trade, and with that came all the power you can imagine would come with having the ability to just create what everyone else must earn, must borrow, or must steal. Mm. So uh, that, that's really the, the real uh, meat of the book, is to get people's mind around how powerful these people are. And, and these people course, being basically the, be, these people being the Federal Reserve and the uh, IMF. What is that? Uh, International Monetary Fund. International Monetary Fund, World Bank. Uh, you know, the, the 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 ruling class is is probably what I would call them. There are different stratas, but the real rulers are the ones who control the creation of money. Yeah, doesn't that make, I mean, that makes perfectly good sense to people if they get to hear it. Like, who in the world makes the money? Because I I think people think that their governments do, but the United States government doesn't print money. No. Well, technically the Treasury prints it, but it prints it uh, at the behest of the Federal Reserve. It says right, Federal Federal Reserve Reserve note right at the top. Yeah, exactly. And the Federal Reserve is a privately owned uh, banking cartel, essentially. Uh, the bankers got together and wrote the legislation and then used the government to pass and enforce that legislation. And one of the arguments I like to give to people is you wouldn't want uh, defense contractors writing and uh, implementing our nation's foreign policy. No, so, because they're, they're liable to want to blow people up exactly. <laughs> to sell more bombs and tanks exactly. and guns. Right. So it, it isn't really a good idea to have uh, bankers writing and managing our nation's monetary policy. It's a pretty, you know, self-evident, uh, self-evident fact that that's not a good idea. Now, you know, I knew what you were talking about, about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve creates money. And I was a little unclear uh, prior to reading your book. I, I, I attempted to read The Creature from Jekyll Island, but I found it to be such a tome. And, you know, I, I don't want to disparage the book because I think it's so important. But I found it to be somewhat dry and, and very, 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 very long. And um, I found that dishonest, dishonest money is it's a it's a light read relatively, and it's not very long, right? That was the whole point. I really wrote it uh, for people who are maybe not up for sitting down and uh, going through a 600-page book as an introduction. Uh, I G. Edward Griffin's book. I can't say enough good about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fantastic book. The research. Is impeccable. It's laid out great, but for the average person who doesn't read a lot to begin with, uh, it's probably you know a bit intimidating to to try and just get into it just because of its length. Then, in addition to that, you're dealing with the fact that it's a new topic. It's something you're not really familiar with. So there's that added kind of uncomfortable you know situation where. Not only is this a giant book, but I don't know about any of this stuff. So it's a, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And then, you know, if you go to the other books, a lot of them are written by economists, and mm-hmm. it really isn't that much better because it's all written in economies, just like legalese. And, and it's very difficult. It takes a lot of time and energy to really figure out what they're talking about, what all this stuff means. I mean, even something like uh, Murray Rothbard's uh, What Has the Government Done to Our Money? 
case against the Fed. They're short books, but if you're new to the topic of the Federal Reserve, odds are it's not going to really have the impact on you that hopefully dishonest money will. Right. And dishonest money was really written for the layman, short, sweet, to the point, very easy to understand, and, and, and brings in all of the really important aspects of it that are hard to find, you know, jumping around from one thing to the other and looking at different sources. Right. Now, I've only read the first edition, so I can speak only really to the first edition. We'll talk about the second edition that you're just putting out now here shortly. But, um, you know, I, I try to imagine how many people have read G. Edward Griffin's uh, the, the, the Creature from Jekyll Island. They said, this is such an important book. I have to get this into the hands of so many of my friends. And that those books have been handed out, and they haven't been read, and they haven't been read because it's just such an intimidating book. And to me, your book, and and I cannot stress how relatively easy this is to understand. I didn't understand how the Federal Reserve System worked, how money was made until I read your book, and it made it so easy for me to understand. I mean, I had a, I had a general idea, but I just didn't know the specifics. And unless you can claim, unless you can speak with some facility uh, about the specifics, people are going to be like, mm, I'm not sure I believe what you're talking about. I'm sure that the government is printing the money and it's not some banking cartel. What are you talking? Federal Reserve sounds federal to me. You know, that th- th- people will be uh, skeptical. But if you put this book in their hands, it's a much better chance, I believe, that they'll read it, enjoy it, and understand it. It's, it's really difficult for anybody who's interested in this topic to, uh, to to put off reading this book because it's literally a one-day book. Yeah. I mean, at 175 pages, that's what the second edition is. I actually shortened it. Originally, I wanted the book to be just 150 pages. Uh, the, the first edition was 190, I think. Mm-hmm. And this one's right at 175. I actually shortened it up, cleaned it up, added references, believe it or not. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's it's a more powerful punchy version of the one that you had and as i said you oh, know I've, i have it joe I've, I've got it and i've got it signed i just want to make that clear <laughs> yes yes got it you have you read the first one you didn't get to read the second i have i have not uh, gone through the second one yet no. got it got it yeah well okay so and then here's the, the issue this is again this kind of demonstrates the point that even people who are interested in mm-hmm. the federal reserve system find it difficult to get through as their introduction, a big book, yep. or, or a book that's written by an economist where they're just talking about all of these things that people don't know what they are. They don't know what the difference is between commodity money and receipt money and fractional money and debt money. They don't really understand the mechanics of inflation and deflation, booms and busts, and, and, and all of this other stuff. They don't understand how the system perpetuates uh, th- these problems, and, and, and then, of course, the system is used to bail out the people who created the problem Indeed. at the expense of everybody who suffers from the problems. All and, of this, go ahead. And, and the specific situation with American money is that it is the world's reserve currency, so it's an entirely different animal from uh, you know the, the Weimar Germ- Germany's hyperinflation of the the. the Deutschmark or whatever it was at the time, I don't know. Uh, but you know, the, the, it's, it's it's a different beast, so it's going to be, behave differently. And you, uh, when when you're done reading this honest money, uh, you you feel like you understand 
and you have some kind of, um, you know, y- y- like you're confident around talking about it. Right, and, you, and we have to understand it. This is the thing, because, we, because the dollar has been the world's reserve currency, the people who've been manipulating it all this time have been able to get away with it for a lot longer. Yep, the problem, of course, is when all of this ends, the crisis is going to be used to sell what they wanted from the beginning, which is their own world reserve currency that they create and control themselves without even any illusion of it being tied to a sovereign national government. You this is that- going to be an unelected you know, uh, elite, uh, an unelected intellectual and, and, and banking elite who are going to decide uh, how the world's monetary system is going to run. So you, because currently, just, uh, the United States government has some control over the Federal Reserve. The, uh, the president appoints the Federal Reserve, uh, Federal Reserve chairman and all that other stuff. So these people would probably benefit well, from at, being completely at autonomous. The least, at the very least, Congress can end it. Yeah. So there would be one element of it. Congress yeah. created it. Congress can end it. Well, when we get our one world global monetary unit that's run by the IMF or, or United Nations, IMF, United Nations, World Bank, new bureaucracy that's created, then that's no longer even a possibility. So there's just some it just it all goes to a whole other level once you get into that once you get into that now you're talking about just absolute servitude absolute servitude where it's kind of similar to what they're doing with the global warming stuff right now where they're, they're hyping up global warming and saying it's man-made which i don't know if you've been following anything on that all the uh, the scandal that came out with the emails that were released climate regarding gate. how they were trying to fake consensus right climate gate mm-hmm. uh it has nothing to do with global warming. It has everything to do with creating a supranational, an unelected, supranational governing body that has the ability to regulate energy. Because, again, just like if you can control the flow of money, you have a tremendous amount of power over any, any economy. Energy is right there yep. with it. Yep. Energy is vital to the economy of the developed nations, it's, it's it, vital to the uh, economy of the undeveloped or the developing nations. I think that it's even more important, uh, energy is, than the monetary system going sort of, if it goes global, as you're talking about, because if they uh, do make this, uh, you know, this basket of currencies or this one world currency that you're, you're referring to, another a nation could decide, you know, we're going to issue our own currency that's, uh, you know, backed by gold or silver or whatever, and then um, that may very well you know put a put a hole in that particular ship but if they control the energy there's really no substitute for energy here's the deal yes if if the monetary here's another way to look at it from the monetary view mm-hmm. if in fact all energy must be purchased in this new global monetary unit then the ruling global monetary body will have control over all trade in that sense. Not, um, I'm talking about oil right now or energy, however you want to put it. Uh, they can manipulate all trade if in trade you first have to – this is kind of what the United States did, okay? The United States became the global reserve currency 
and was able to create artificial demand by signing agreements with the oil-producing nations that they would only sell their oil in dollars. And so that created an artificial demand for those dollars because before China could buy its energy, it had to buy dollars. Before Japan could buy its energy, it had to buy dollars. So this creates an artificial demand and pulls those dollars. So now the Federal Reserve can just keep printing them and printing them and printing them. Okay, we already, we're already running into an issue where they're getting ready to move away from the dollar, and the oil-producing nations are openly talking about selling oil in something other than dollars. Right. So guess what they're talking about selling it in? They're talking about selling it, selling it in this new global monetary unit that's going to be created. And this is what they've been after all along anyway. This no. is what the people who created the IMF and the World Bank wanted from the start. It's just an issue of getting – they have to get their foot in the door and then create the problem. And then out of that global crisis, they're then able to bring in the solution that they wanted all along. Because no. all of this – is very predictable. All of these problems that have come about as a direct result of the way the monetary policy has been handled are predictable. They're immutable economic laws, just like the laws of gravity. You know, it's something that is not difficult to understand, especially if you're an expert in this field. And these people obviously know exactly what they're doing. I cover that in the book too. The history of it. I would like to believe. Ignorance. I would like to believe that uh, that the people that are running the world governments believe that um, in the Keynesian economics that they that they seem to practice. Um, but you know, it, it seems like the Austrian economics is what works, and that they are just ignoring it. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know whether it's a conspiracy, but it certainly looks suspicious to me. They understand what happens when you create lots and lots and lots of money out of nothing. And they also understand that if there is a crisis in the dollar, that because the dollar was made the world reserve currency, it's going to be a global crisis. And because it's a global crisis, then that means there's going to need to be a global solution. Now, and they are the ones who are positioned to offer that global solution. Is this this basket of currencies we hear about in the news that they're going to create um, this global currency out of? And then at some point, are they going to just kick the basket of currency to the curb because they've created the global unit? How's that going to work? I, I would have to speculate. I don't know. I know okay. that ultimately the idea is to destroy the dollar, weaken us severely, and uh, with with the uh, ensuing economic crisis here in the United States, they've made us, they've weakened us so badly already that at that point it's going to be a lot easier for them to get us to sign on to this, to, to whatever agreements they offer in order to help stabilize what's going on in this country. Now, it's probably really premature. At first, everybody has to understand what the problem is, or at least a lot of, enough people have to understand what the problem is that we can uh, you know, that, at, at least be educated on it. But what is the solution for the problem that is the Federal Reserve fiat currency? I mean, it took Jefferson, excuse me, Jackson, um, more than his first term just to kill the bank. That's the president of the United States, and he's right. only trying to kill his bank. Right. Well, this is, this is the key. The key that I'm trying to uh, get across in the book is that people need to understand how it works. You know, we kind of got off into some of the, the stuff down the road here. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, what's important is that people understand how it works so that when the crisis arrives, they're not able to fix 
and I put that in quotation marks, fix the problem by putting the exact same system in place, except now on a global scale Mm -hmm. that's run by people that are totally unaccountable to us. Like I said, at least now we can put pressure on Congress, and we are putting pressure on Congress, and there's been an awful lot of progress made here with regard to this issue, with with ending the Fed and, and, and having it audited and having people finally starting to pay attention to what is this and why are people complaining about it? Oh, and then once you find out, you're like, my God, are you kidding me? This exists? Okay, so we're making all this progress here. The solution, in my view, is that we need competing currencies. I'm not a big fan of making anything, uh, especially just fiat money, legal tender, saying, you know, having the government come in and, and, and stamp on there and say, you absolutely have to accept this. I'm also not a fan of having the government just print the money. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, that they just look at one sliver of the problem, which is, oh, okay, well, you know, these people print this money, and then we have to pay interest on that money. Why don't we just um, print our own money? Have the government print it ourselves. Well, that yeah. solves the problem of the printing part. But it doesn't solve the problem, or, or, or the interest, rather. I'm sorry. It solves the problem of paying interest on the money that somebody's printing, but it doesn't solve the problem of the, the corruption and unconstitutional projects that are financed with fiat money. Right. Who, who in their the right problem. mind sorry, – sorry, Joe. Who in their yeah. right mind would give – politicians the right to print money. I mean, this is one of the least respected classes in the nation by most people. And then the solution to that, to the problem we have with the federal, with the bankers printing the money is to give it to politicians to print. I don't even know. I don't even know if that's a worse solution, quite honestly. Well, they didn't control themselves when they had to borrow it. Right. So, you know, they, they succumbed to the, quote, political pressure of, of, you know, being in this position where they have all this power to create these uh, politically motivated programs, well, what's going to happen when they can just print it themselves? Is it going to become any better at that point? And like I said, yes, you solve the problem of interest on the money. They're not borrowing it anymore. But then you still have the real problem of, uh, of the unconstitutional programs that are financed by this, the transfer of wealth, that, that takes place as a direct result of uh, printing money through mm-hmm. inflation. That's a huge problem with, with fiat money, is the transfer of wealth, the hidden taxation that takes place, which obviously is, is explained uh, in the book, um, and, and not to mention the eventual dis- destruction of the currency and, and the economic chaos that comes out of that. So this is one of these... You know, this is one of those things where people are just focusing sometimes on just one part of it and saying, oh, if the politicians can just do it, it'll be okay. I think that's insane. Mm. Now, does that mean I believe that there should be a law against people being able to create, you know, whatever kind of money that they want? No, not necessarily. I think, though, we should have the opportunity to use gold-backed money and silver-backed money or, or, you know, oil-backed money or, or whatever else people in the free market decide that they want to use. So I believe personally that if the government is printing money and people have a choice between money that isn't fiat, money that's backed by some sort of commodity, and because so will be limited in how much of, it's, how much of it is created, 
and they know that the value of that money is going to be more stable as a result of that versus accepting as payment uh, government money that is just printed at will. Nobody really knows how much they're printing. Nobody really knows what they're up to. I think that the market will decide on the better form. And, and, and the better form will win out. And there's historical examples of what you're talking about. Essentially, back when, I mean, silver and gold have been the, the currencies for thousands of years. And um, the, 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 the Revolutionary War was essentially financed, um, you know, by the real money that was used. They certainly made their, their continentals and stuff like that. But the real money they used, there wasn't an American silver or gold coin they used spanish pieces of eight and other uh, foreign countries silver and gold because it was gold it didn't matter whose face was stamped on uh, the gold or silver it was just real money gold and silver have been real money for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and they still are it didn't it's... become money it didn't become money by government decree right it became money because it's what was chosen by people as a medium of exchange. Right. They may they may pick platinum and and or tungsten and palladium and all these other neat new metals that are out there. I don't know. Maybe they'll have uranium two two three coins. I have no idea. It doesn't sound like something I'd like to carry around in my pocket, mind you. But <laughs> I, I mean, they they may very well come up with these things. But metals are are. A good, a good thing to use for currency. I'm not saying that that's what needs to be used, but they're a good thing to use for currency simply because they're compact. They, they hold value in a small area. How about this? It's bad for one small group to have a monopoly on what is used for currency. I agree. If I a monopoly agree. on toothpicks is bad, if a monopoly on uh, – think of anything that it, that's you know, used in the economy or traded in the economy – is bad. A monopoly on tires is bad. A monopoly on computers would be bad. A monopoly on software is bad. Well, a monopoly on money is as bad as you're going to get because money is used for everything. That's the truth. Joe, um, besides, how would people get the second edition? I think that the, the we're, I'm still selling the first edition at gold.freetalklive.com. And, um, yeah, and if people want the first edition, they need to get it from you because th- there aren't that many of them left. Mm-hmm. So if they want the first edition, uh, they can't get it from me. They've got to get it through you. If they want the second edition, uh, they can get it at Amazon.com. That's, um, that's uh, Amaz- Amazon.freetalklive.com. <laughs> there you go. Or they can get it if they want a deal. I have very limited power to, to do anything with the price at Amazon. Right. But if they want a deal, they can go to dishonestmoneybook.com. And I set this page up today for your listeners. Excellent. If they go to dishonestmoneybook.com, they can get a copy for $10 plus $250 shipping. Now, what if, the, what if people want to get several of them for family and friends? Because, as I said, this is the most important book that anyone can read. And I, I mean anyone. I think that anybody who over the age of... You know, 14 should read this book, understand this book. I've got a quote on the back of this book because I consider it so important. And um, I I think that this should be if, – if you love somebody, try to get them to read this book is kind of how I feel. And, I, and I've done that. It's, it's no accident that the people who determine policy – and they, they're not the people who we think determine policy. You don't have to look any further than the banker bailout for that. Nobody asked for that banker bailout. As a matter of fact, uh, hundreds of millions 
of Americans were against it, if yep. you go by the polls that were taken. But it didn't matter, because a handful of people who did want it were able to persuade our, quote, policymakers to give them what they wanted. Yep. So that, that provides you an example of how the system actually works. Well, it's not an accident that the proletariat hasn't been taught how money works. Joe, Joe, Joe I, really, their power. I really have to go, but uh, tell, uh, give, give the website again and tell, tell me what happens if people want to get more than one book. They can get it at that. Go to dishonestmoneybook.com, and you can get five copies for 50 bucks mailed. Excellent. Okay? Thank you, sir. Um, that's Joe Plummer, author of Dishonest Money. Good talking with you, Mark. Thank you. Attention, all active-duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.